0: Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided, let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. Alright folks, we have a very special treat for you today. I've been teasing it for a little bit as we've recorded this a few weeks ago and we're finally getting ready to release it. I am excited to say that we are going to talk about, well... Some tough topics today. So if you're not in the mood, you're not ready for these tough things, please feel free to come back and listen to this later when you're in a better headspace. But my good friend, uh, our tech guy, Ryan Carlson, came on the show and we talked about his battle with depression over the years and what he's done to make his life better and to help himself get through it. It's something that he still struggles with every day and he's working to get better and he wanted to come on and share... I I guess just his journey, his thoughts, his feelings, the things that have happened. He's been struggling with this for a very long time, and this is something that he's taken very seriously over the last few years, and he's really worked on making his life a lot better, dealing with all the trauma that he's gone through and not just pushing it aside like a lot of people do. So we're going to get into some very graphic topics today. Cause like he had thoughts of suicide and and he and he talks about that and, and, so, and some people are okay with talking about that and that's good and some people are hesitant so just a fair warning uh, if you don't want to hear those kind of things today if you want to be more in an upbeat mood you're not ready for these kind of tougher topics uh, please feel free to come back and listen to this at a different time but I'm going to stop rambling I was excited for our conversation we had a great one and I hope that you guys really do enjoy this I hope uh, and Ryan hopes as well that it's uh, it's powerful and it, it helps someone who might be struggling with some of the same things to let you know that things are going to be okay in the end. And you just, you have to keep pushing. Um, ending the, the journey too quickly, unfortunately, just pushes your struggles onto other people. And if you work hard enough and you have the right people around you, you can fix the struggles that you have no matter how tough they are and life will get better. Uh, Without any further ado, please sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us our tech support, Ryan Carlson. Hi, Welcome back, Ryan. Thank you. So normally when Ryan comes on, it's to explain things that I don't understand about technology, uh, obviously. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about something a little bit deeper. Uh, Ryan uh, has struggled a bit with depression for, well, most of his life, I will say. And over the past handful of years, he has sought help. And he's working through it, and he's doing great, and he wanted to kind of talk about that. So, Ryan, I'll let you kind of kick that off how you want to, and we can either start with what got you into therapy, or we can go way back when and just kind of talk about like all your struggles as you were growing up.
1: We can do all of that. Uh, I will say tech is not something that is uh, not connected with uh, depression, because as I think uh, in the last episode, Dane said he was a big video game player. I think a lot of that kind of stuff really can be damaging. Video video games? Yeah, all that. You think that can
0: lead to depression?
1: Some of it, yes. I
0: mean, I could see somebody who's depressed and they want to be isolated and they don't want to go out and play or do those kind of things as kids and they kind of just want to be by themselves. I could see that leading to video games to have something to Mm -hmm. do and not just sit there and stare at the wall.
1: So one of the things – so. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, even further out in the middle of nowhere than you are right here. Dude, East, this in the metropolis. What exactly, are you talking about, sir? Exactly. I was pretty far in the middle of nowhere. Um, unlike right now, my kids can walk someplace or drive someplace. It was 45 minutes to the nearest movie theater. You know, it was- You grew up here in Ohio, right? I grew up in Ohio. Uh, northeast Ohio, way out in the middle of nowhere. Off in the sticks, In the sticks. Um so there wasn't a lot to do, you know. Uh the the county I grew up in, uh, I think it was high school before they got their first paved road, you know. So okay. it was it was pretty bad.
0: Kind of backwoodsy, you would kind of say.
1: It was. Um so, you know, I graduated with class of 92 and that was the biggest class they've ever had.
0: That's decent size. Yeah, I think I graduated with a class of like 136. Yeah. But obviously we were, we weren't like in the the downtown school, we were kind of like yeah. off in the suburb school.
1: Yep. No, so usually it was about 70 people. You know, there's 70 kids, sometimes less. So, but we were one of the bigger schools out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it was three, three counties or three cities that were all combined to make that one class. So, <clears throat> but there's, there wasn't a lot to do in general. Um, so you know, it was pretty lonely, pretty lonely out there. Um, I, from what I understood, my parents or my dad kind of wanted to be away from the city and away from all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of his decision to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to go out to this little tiny place with nothing in it, you know, and just live there. And he was okay with not having anybody around. Yes, yeah, it's because
0: it's what he wanted, right? That's
1: what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, for us, it was a little bit more challenging. Uh, but, you know, I have one sibling, and uh, she found ways around that. I was not. I, I very much, um, you know, came or internalized... Um, internalized a lot of what i was going for i was the isolated one i was the one that went into the tv went into the video games and kind of just immersed myself in those kind of things yeah now where i say that those can be detrimental they can function the way that you just said it's you're lonely you're isolated you go to that Yeah, it gives you something to look forward to it gives you
0: something to do it's I mean, somewhat stimulating, and there's obviously like there's uh, the hand eye coordination stuff that's
1: going on there and whatnot for development, but but it's also the the emotions and and just the chemicals, you know. Some of these, I uh, the last podcast you had, you talked about AD, ADD and ADHD, or the last one that I yeah. listened to, there's the last one I posted, yep. Uh, so, if you have so i have hyper hyper focus i wouldn't call it add or adhd but i i can hyper focus on something and when you can hyper focus on a video game like that all of your emotions all everything that you have the you know your adrenaline you know everything will change with that because you can hyper focus on that video game and your whole world i mean after playing some video games like that, you can looks like you ran a mile, you know. Yeah, ran a, a sporting event type thing. Yeah, because you're so engaged and involved so engaged with everything. Yeah, in that kind of stuff. That's me when I was growing up. I was very much.
0: Now, were you born out in the small town? Yeah. Did you move out there when you were little? Or, nope. Okay, so it's it's all you've known when you we, were little. We,
1: that was. I think my parents bought that house about a year before I was born. So it was that was everything I knew. Um, I spent my entire life out there, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was our entire lives out there. Um, was it
0: like a farm or like a homestead kind of thing or just, just out in the middle of nowhere, just a house on some land? Just a
1: house on a land. Okay. You know, um, I'm trying to think, we didn't have too much property. I mean. An acre. I know because like
0: a lot of reasons, especially people who live like in a big city, they yeah. might think, oh, "I'm gonna go get some land, and I'm gonna raise cows and chickens yeah. no. and all this kind of shit, and give, you know, live live on the land and all this kind of stuff." And it, it sounds romantic until you realize like how much fucking work all that stuff it's is. A it's a lot. like talk to a dairy farmer. There's a reason why many of them like go out of business. Like, like they can't be but six yeah. hours away from their house ever <laughs> because the, the cows got to get milk twice a day. You know, it's
1: no, we never had any of that kind of stuff. It was, um. I, I want to say we only had, you know, uh, an acre or two, maybe, okay. maybe a little bit more. All right. um, that's, I mean, a,
0: that's small in a in an area like that. Yeah. yeah. It,
1: it, it was small. Uh, the neighbors had tons of acres behind us, and we knew them, and so I could walk in the woods back there. Well, that
0: was the nice thing about, like, kind of how we grew up. Yeah. Right? Because, like, I, I can remember going to the the neighbor's house across the streets, yeah. you know, who I'm still good friends with to this day. He's my longest, you know, old, my, my, long, my my oldest friend, even though he's not age-wise the oldest, right? And, and we would just like go back in the woods and play like every day. And that's just kind of what we did, you know? And it's like, I think that they owned some of that and then some other people own other parts yeah. of it, but nobody cared that we were back there as long as we weren't... Be- being stupid and setting shit on fire they were just like yeah come back here and play and ride yeah. your bikes and make your tree forts and shit that we did and all that kind of stuff it's just it's kind of how we grew up yeah. but nowadays it's like if you try to go on somebody's property they'll start shooting at you and shit mm-hmm. and it's like dude calm down
1: well it, where I grew up there was a possibility of being shot but not because someone was after you, it was just because somebody was uh, walking out their back ch- back to a porch and playing <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. doing some target practice yeah, that's or something a, like that's that. That's the
0: big reason why I don't go deer hunting around here because there's there's drunk rednecks in the woods with shotguns. I'm good. Yes. So I'll stay away from that shit.
1: There's that level of that that's where we were. It, it's not that, you know there were people of course. on the street, but you know, my parents didn't want the homestead or anything like that. It was They just wanted a house away from from everybody. You know, we had a decent sized garden out there. If, if, uh, if I had the, you know, will to actually work on it, you know, that could, that could produce, you know, enough food for the family. You know, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Most kids, yeah, don't care about that kind of stuff. I didn't.
1: I didn't. It was more, you know, just fun and, you know, we'd harvest some stuff and, but we had enough for that we could we could have done that. It was it was pretty big. Um but no, my my parents didn't want anything to do with that. It was just we don't want to deal with anybody. Yeah. You know. Or at least my dad was like that. Um my mom not so much. She would have liked to have been in the city. Um they've eventually moved closer, you know, uh, more in the city, which I don't know what my ex, my dad actually thinks about that, but, you know, they're there. You could ask him. That gets a little challenging. <laughs> I can explain that a little bit later, but... Fair enough. <laughs> growing up, uh, my parents... If you looked at my family, you would say nothing is wrong.
0: Of course. I think a lot of people kind of have that shiny veneer on the outside where you look at them from the outside again and people put on their brave face and try to act like everything's fine. You don't notice there's any kind of major problems. Everybody has some problems yeah. because well, they're all just fucking people. You know, they're, it's they're- like what's the old saying? You know, it's like. You know, like the uh, couple goes to a counselor or maybe their uh, pastor or something and they said, hey, pastor, you know, like we're we're having some marriage problems. Like, yeah, I know you're having marriage problems. Like, well, how'd you know that? Like, because you're, you're married, Like, yeah. right? If you were single, you'd have single problems. If, yeah. if you had kids, you'd have kid problems. If you had teenagers, then we'll pray for you, you know? <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's like it, there's always going to be issues yeah. and it's just a matter of trying to work through them, you know, hopefully in a healthy manner. But kids today, especially... Don't seem like they understand how to do that. No,
1: well, I didn't understand how to do that when I was a kid. Yeah. So, um, no, it, it. My family was very looked very normal on the outside. My parents just did not have a lot of emotional support whatsoever.
0: Okay. So were they kind of just on their own with family and all that kind of stuff, or did, did you not grow up around aunts and uncles
1: and cousins? I, and I did. They're they're relatively close. But there is it's something along the lines of not just not being able to provide any emotional depth whatsoever.
0: Okay, so they were kind of around, but they you were, couldn't really lean on them when you needed I, them.
1: I was, you know, I'd see my aunts and everything at uh at holidays and, you know, birthdays and all that kind of stuff. The way I describe this is my family. Put a house or roof over my head. I had clothes. I had toys. Christmas. You know, everything I could need. We had vacations. Great. Uh, talking to either one of my parents about any problem, anything. You know, no matter what. Uh, my dad would be, my dad would be Okay. And that 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 was his response right there, and my mom would be put a smile on your face, and that'll make it all better. <laughs>
0: Everybody- and I and I know that when they do stuff like that, they're not trying to be hurtful, and it's they're, they're again like you and I were kind of talking about before we started recording here. It's like when when parents do that kind of stuff, it's like they, they have the best of intentions, and they they mean well. But they don't, I don't think they realize how damaging that can be to a small child, you know, of not being able to just have someone explain to them who has a little bit more experience in life and those kind of things that these are normal things, we understand how you feel, sometimes it sucks and that's okay and when that happens, show those emotions, it's no big deal, things will get better, you know, but some of those things, like it's, it's going to suck until it doesn't, you know, and it, sometimes that's all right, that's just part of life.
1: And they're just like, oh, just put yeah. a
0: smile on your face. Like, get the fuck out
1: of here. That's that's not good advice. No. no, it is not. But that's the only advice that I got. Yeah, because my parents just did not have the capabilities to handle any of that. Yeah, I was. I would say I was emotionally stunted. Uh, no, that growing that, that up. would
0: be fair to say if you if you go to your parents looking for advice and you get advice like that. Yeah, yes. that would just I kind was, of make you even pull more inward. Of like, well, I guess I'm not going to tell anybody because. They're just going to tell me to smile and not worry about it. So, okay, here we go.
1: So, not only did I have that, but I was isolated physically from everybody because, I mean, so, uh, I had an hour bus ride each way to and from school.
0: Were you, like, the the furthest out? Like, the first one on, last one off kind of thing? I was the third. Okay. So, pretty close. Yeah. I was
1: pretty close to the last one on, but I was the third one on every morning and third to last off every night. Yeah. Uh, it took an hour to get to school every day. Now it was a 15 minute car ride. So when I got a car, it was heck with the bus. I'm never going on that thing again. Which I can
0: completely <laughs> understand that.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we were spread out. It, it's not, you know, the closest person in my class was a ways away, you know, so it's not like I was. Had tons of neighbors to go I play with have, or. No. Yeah. Cause like
0: um, I, I grew up in like a little, um, it's not really like a cul-de-sac, but it's kind of like a little yeah. dead-end road that leads onto somebody's private property, and then it turns like from you know pavement onto gravel road and goes back to somebody's farm. Essentially, is what it is. And there's like seven or eight houses that are along that. And when we were there growing up, it's like there was a, it was almost kids at almost every house. Yeah, you know, it's like we had tons of people to play with, even though it was just like eight houses right yeah. there and we had, you know, like Duda was right across the street and so I would go across the street and go play with him all the yeah. time or whatever. But like we were always outside, yeah. you know, playing baseball or basketball mm-hmm. or then we got a trampoline, jump on the trampoline, like doing all that kind of stuff. We were always doing yeah. shit, playing back in the woods, riding our bikes. And I can remember also being in uh, elementary school. Where, like, my parents, I was, like, fifth or sixth grade, like, they'd let me get on my, my mountain bike mm-hmm. and ride 45 minutes to an hour away <laughs> to a friend's house. Yeah, Get there, call, say, I'm fine. We're going to play for a couple of hours. Now I'm going to ride back. It's yeah. no big deal because I just, you know, it was the kind of area that I lived in. You know, it was, it was no problem. So I had plenty of people around. So yeah. I, I can't at all imagine not having other kids no. to play
1: with, um, you know. My wife has stressed that very much for where we live and we're – gonna get ready to move here shortly you know we're trying to find another house um but it's gonna be closer to the kids school where they can get to the school quicker they have their friends around them yeah that sort of thing um the one of the best examples i have my mom liked to do trick-or-treat she very much liked to do that and so she would buy a small thing of candy every year and most years it would be nobody And occasionally you get one person. That's kind of where we were. Yeah. On the the spectrum of, you know, uh, and, you know, that was the whole Halloween.
0: But again, it's like, it's what you grew up with. It's what what you thought was normal. That's
1: what I thought was normal. It is what it is. Now, comparison to where we live now, I mean, there's, you know, um, pillowcases full of candy. Yeah. Where where, where we are now. Kids are making bank. I've never seen somebody, you know my kids have gotten king size candy bars from that stuff it's ridiculous i mean i um, mean it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it, it was the middle of nowhere there was nobody there you know if i wanted to do something with somebody from my school i would have to have my parents drive yeah you'd have to coordinate I'd have drive to coordinate, over there drive yeah over there. and as a
0: little kid it's it's very tough to do that yeah. especially with people's lives and yeah. work and schedules and everything else it's like you can't, just, I mean, that's, that's like a whole day, of fare it's a whole to, day to, affair to coordinate all that kind of stuff, which might happen and four or five times a year. Yeah. Maybe. It,
1: well, it was, it wasn't a, a normal thing, but it was also, you know, there were, there was a park system and it's not like, you know, you talk about 45 minute bike ride. Yeah. I probably could, would take me 45 minutes to get there. You know, that was the only park around. Yeah. You know? And it would probably take me 45 minutes to get there. And I'd probably be too tired to do anything once I got there. Because... <laughs> yeah, you get used to it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was very much very isolating where I grew up. Um, so I, I turned a lot to, you know, like I said, the TV. We had a big satellite dish outside. So we had cable galore, you know, every, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, my dad was, you know worked about an hour away so he was gone most of the day you know come home and it was sit down and watch you know National Geographic or you know Discovery Channel or something like that um Saturdays it was Bob Vila you know it was our lives were very isolated yeah very structured almost yeah very structured um my family is very structured in that regard they like the same yeah, thing. They, they
0: get in their routine. They're happy there. Nothing bumps up against it. No. They, just, they just do what they've always
1: done. They're very, very structured. I had a hard time dealing with that when I got married because my wife is very not structured. It was, it's, well, let's go, go do this now. Well, that's not part of the plan. No, that's we, didn't, not pl- part we didn't plan of the, on that. We can't it, just leave and go do that. We didn't plan on that. Um, now, so what's odd about that is I still like to travel. You know, I will travel. My parents gave me that kind of experience, um, but it's very structured in that regard. They like that structure. They like, okay, this is what you're doing every minute of every day. Yeah, this is this, and is that, and that can be on. a
0: little bit overwhelming. It's you know, it's like it's it's good to have some plans. To understand, like, okay, well, let's not just get there and then sit around and waste our time, yes. but let's also not have everything so packed and jammed in there that we don't get to actually enjoy anything because we feel rushed because we've got to finish this up because we've got to go there and we've got to go from there to over here. And I was like, let's just have some time to chill here a little bit, too. Like, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: On an emotional level as well, if, and I've seen this through my wife, my parents will literally say, you know, if you're in the middle of something, they will basically get up and leave. When it's time. Not saying anything. Not doing anything. They'll just leave. Because it's time. So it's not late. And you're like, well, what do, what do we do? Why? Why are you leave? We Yeah, were, Are we, we in there. trouble? Did we do we something were doing wrong? Good. Yeah. You know, uh, we'll, we, we've tried to plan events. Um, we go to the zoo with the kids. Well, it's six o'clock. Okay, we got to get going. Well, why? We're having fun here. We're walking around. We're yeah. The kids are still good. No, we gotta go. Yeah, they're
0: not. They're not screaming. They're not yelling. Nobody needs a nap. So I was like, "We're good. Let's ride this (laughs) out."
1: (laughs) They don't function like that. Yeah. Um, They just. That's not the way they work. Uh, So yes, in an isolated environment with a very structured. Okay. Every Friday we go out to dinner. Every Saturday we sit there in the morning. You know, uh, my dad went out and hunted in the morning, or you know, it, it was very routine very yes. almost you know uh, uh, an assembly line type you know structure um that doesn't help much in the isolation you know uh I I don't do that well either I I, I you don't do what well the the structure like that okay
0: I, I is it because it like reminds you of your
1: childhood or that I haven't gotten to yet okay I I I <clears throat> so i have been I've been in therapy for over six years now, trying to unpack and deal with everything that's gone on now. My parents gave me the bottom layers, the foundation for this kind of stuff, and it progressively got worse as I got older and other things happened uh but I'm not a hundred percent sure why that is and, and okay. I think so there's, there's a, a handful of things we can get to here in a little bit um, on how I grew up that changed me. Um, one of the things that I know, um, like I don't do quiet spaces. And that was because, and there, this is what I was told, the elementary school that I went to is an open classroom design. So uh, it was first, second, third was all in one big room. And okay. It was divided with bookshelves. Okay. So you could hear the other classes throughout the day. You could hear people talking. You could hear the teachers. Um, I do very well at isolating sound. I can narrow in and focus on something, and I don't care what other sound there is uh, going on around yeah. me. Um, my parents never agreed with it, but I would sit there with either very loud music while doing my. Homework, or I'd sit in front of the TV. Yes. and do my homework.
0: I've always had to do the same thing, which is interesting, because for my I'd say early twenties, kind of through my, probably my mid twenties, I would say I couldn't be alone with my own thoughts because yes. my mind would start to race, and I would think about all kinds of crazy stuff, and I start to go on these tangents and rabbit holes, and I couldn't focus on what I was doing. Yeah. So, like when I was going through school. You know, it's like, I know in high school, I didn't hardly take any homework home ever. Yeah. You know, because high school is a fucking joke. You don't really need it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so if I didn't get it done in study halls or at lunch yeah. or whatever, it just didn't get done. Like, yeah. whatever. I don't care. Right. And I just, I just, could always just do my stuff there with everybody else going on. But mm-hmm. if if you were to take me up to the library yeah. where you have to be quiet and all that kind of stuff, I literally can't focus.
1: I have a hard time Because my mind just
0: yeah. starts to wander and go places. I, I can remember in, in college doing a lot of – we did all of our studying. It was like a group of five or six of us that we would all get together. We all had the same classes. We had the same you know, small degree. only like 20 of us in our whole yeah. freaking department. And, and like the five or six of us used to all get together in the uh, – basically like the lunchroom yeah. and we would do all of our homework and our studying for tests and all that kind of stuff together and it's like it's chaos people yelling and screaming d- jumping on tables and doing stupid shit like yeah. we all remember what that was like yeah. you know but i could focus it was no problem yeah. you, you send me up to my room you know where it's, it's quiet and my, my two roommates are gone doing whatever and it's just me and my thoughts i'm like uh, i can't do shit here this is not good
1: See, and this is – it's not necessarily my thoughts that would. It was just I can't sit here and focus on something. Okay. So I, your I mind had, wasn't running. Just, no, I, you just You just couldn't focus. I just had a hard like time You almost like blank out. I, I just I, – I would – along the lines of the ADD type thing where it's just I would start going and I'd just wander and be like, okay, wait a minute. What was I doing? Yeah. But I put on some music or something like that in there. No problem. Exactly. Bang it out real quick. Um, I, I tell a story. So I, I, I was very good at math in in high school. Um, so I was in AP calculus and, uh, I got sick. So I was out for like a week and they sent homework home with me. And, uh, so I was sitting in front of the TV doing it. (laughs) I was plugging away one, two, three, four, five, you know, each number I hit. I think it was problem 15. I sat there and I just did it. It was great. I was like, great homework's done, close the book, you know, came in Monday and said, uh, and the teacher came up and said, okay, who did problem number 15? I raised my hand. She goes, did you do it with a calculator? I said, no, did it by hand. And she kind of looked at me suspicious and walked over to my page, over to the page, looked at it and she goes, this is right. Um, I was one of only like four students who've ever completed that problem. Really? Yes. In her in her in her twenty years of teaching, I don't I I was only one of like four students, and what I didn't know at the time is that problem was not required to be done. It was try it and see if you can get it.
0: Yeah, but you were sick and you didn't know, so they just I said, didn't. here's the homework assignment. I like, just okay,
1: I just I'll just do this. I did that in front of the TV.
0: Yeah, but well, I completely understand what you're talking about though, <laughs> because at that point you're not even thinking about the TV. it becomes no, it becomes it, background noise, but again. It take it distracts your mind enough that you can focus on what it is you want to do.
1: I it's something about the silence, and I, and that's what it reverts to. Where it's that open classroom design, where I can think with noise around me. It's yes. just the way I was programmed over. You know that was from uh, first grade to sixth grade as I had that uh, that design. You know, or I sat in that environment where I could hear everybody around me. I could hear things going on, and I still had to concentrate on what I was doing or the teacher that I was, my teacher. I couldn't listen to other classrooms. I couldn't listen to other kids, you know. It's it's elementary school. There's chaos yeah. in there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so it comes back to that where, you know, it's an ingrained thing that I learned.
0: No, it's, I completely understand, again, because, like, my brain works very similarly. It's, you know, I, I do better when I have something in the background to kind of distract yeah. my, my brain and then I can focus on what I need to focus on. And I know for some people it freaks them out. But yeah. But it's like when, when I've got to do stuff, like, around the house, I almost always have, like, the TV on or movie playing mm-hmm. or, um, like, a, a comedy or whatever going on yeah. Netflix or something. I was like, like, I need that in the background. Yeah to be going so I can focus on what I yeah. need to focus on. It.
1: Yeah. And that's, like I said, that was that problem. It was kind of unique. And, and you know, I was sitting there in a class of basically the smartest kids in my entire class. And I was the only one that got that problem. And the last person that got it is now, you know, some crypto, and you know, intelligence guy that's doing, you know, crazy stuff with math. And it's like, okay, I just did it. It's not really that hard. <laughs>
0: um, maybe, maybe for your brain. For, for the rest of us normal folk, I, I don't know. You yes, know, math was not my strong suit.
1: <laughs> I was I was very good at math. I was you know very with the school structure didn't fit, but I was very good at math. I, I don't came... think the
0: schools the schooling structure fits for most people. No, I, th- I think it's hindering our children and not helping them progress.
1: Yes, but. Well, and that's the thing. You said, you, you know, I did all my homework, but that's – my parents were very much, okay, you need to do your homework. Now, that comes into some of the things that would happen with, um, with school. I was not – I didn't really care about homework. I didn't care about school. I, I just kind of slept through all that kind of stuff, but I got B's. But
0: that's also the problem of somebody like you who's, yeah. actually, who's actually very intelligent. Yeah. You know, because, like, it's, it's going to be boring for you. I mean, ha- and you see that with kids all the time. It's like if if they're even somewhat gifted, yeah. like the regular classes are just like, fuck off. This is so boring.
1: I was in the advanced classes of everything and I was bored out of my mind. Yeah.
0: That is not surprising to me
1: at all. Now, if I had some interaction with people and wasn't as isolated as I would, I probably would have done a lot better. I think my, my senior year, I did get straight A's, you know, it, it and I didn't even really try, you know, but. Uh, well, <laughs> damn it. Oh, <laughs> fucking cough.
0: Um, um, what do you think was the difference for your senior year where things kind of clicked compared to like the other years? Do you I, think it was like enough time around the kids? You got comfortable. You started to come out of your shell a little bit, make some friends. Like, was it that kind of stuff or was it just. Um, like oh, I guess I'll try, I might think about going to college, so I might need to get good grades or
1: No, I I asked a girl out my senior year. And that was about it. You finally <laughs> got the
0: courage to talk I, to a lady. Uh,
1: that was painful. No, I, I get it. it. I was It was painful. I get it. It was painful. But uh yeah, that was what did it. Okay. You know.
0: So a pivotal moments in a young man's life. Yeah. When they finally get the courage to go talk to a girl that they like. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm 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 still of the like a struggle with that it's like i can flirt with anybody that i could care less about like we'll flirt all day long i don't give two shits but if i kind of like you a little bit then i get get all nervous and pull in and it's like the fuck are you doing just like go talk to her go say hi what's the problem she tells you to fuck off then who cares you're not talking to her now anyway but
1: now multiply that by a thousand by from someone being very isolated yeah yeah so it's no i get it my experience was very you know i I would almost consider it traumatic, you know at that point, but no, it was that gave me a connection to someone you know that would have helped me a lot during school you know um but yeah, I blindsided her and you know that sort of thing,
0: well, when you're young and you don't quite know anything <laughs> yet and you don't have the social skills you know from like interacting with a bunch of different people from I when s- you were young, uh
1: yeah, that kind of tends to happen I still don't have social skills. I, I'm still... That's why you're
0: so good at your job. Yeah.
1: I, I'm i so good at my job because I had to suffer through years and years of torture. That's why I'm good at my job. <laughs> torture. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. The construction industry is literally torture. Um, So it, it's... That that doesn't help the mental health. No. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, engineering school doesn't help mental health. None of that kind of stuff. And that's not meant to. That's meant to be torture. That is meant to be torture. And the work that I found was a continuation of that torture. So when I say that I had a ground level of things that screwed up things in my life, well, I got a whole bunch of stuff piled on there. Well, I
0: mean – those kind, Again, those kind of set the foundation those did. for you to build the, the building blocks of your life on. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the reason why therapy I think takes a long time for some people. is like you've got to start pulling those bricks away until you get back down to the foundation that caused all the issues to begin with. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're all bad or all evil or wrong or no. whatever. You just need to understand it. So hopefully that way you can address it and move forward in a healthier way.
1: It was – I buried most of my stuff now. I
0: think that's pretty common for a lot of people.
1: Now, that's the thing is when I hit college, I got through – uh, you know, I chose engineering. It was torture. That's what it is. It, but it's it also
0: was. something you were probably pretty good at, especially was, being gifted at math. Probably people were pushing you that way.
1: Yeah. No, it was I, – I, I don't know how I ended up there, but I did. Okay. You know, it was – you know
0: you weren't sitting at home as a 7 year old watching like modern marvels on the history channel thinking do I want to do that that's cool
1: although uh, that 7 year, that was me as a 7 year old i liked all that kind of stuff i
0: think a lot of young boys like yeah. that kind of stuff the engineering the technology yeah. the the components all working together i mean that's very fascinating for a lot of, of of boys
1: putting all that together yeah it it does show that i've got that path yeah. but how i actually ended up there i don't know and I knew, I know I was not ready for the just absolute torture of, especially the first couple of years of engineering. It's brutal, you know, and that's, it's designed for that. Um, my class was, I think I start we started out with like uh, 150 something, maybe closer to 200. We were well below half, half of that graduating. Grade. Not
0: surprising at all. So most people who start that degree realize, I want to do something different. This sucks.
1: There, there were a ton of people that I knew, you know. But then again, I had a hard time making connections with anybody there. I did not come out of school with really any friends. Yeah. You know, uh, I was very much alone, which also doesn't help with the torture because what you're supposed to do in that type of course is pair up with people, tackle it together.
0: Yeah, work through it, great little study groups and uh, teams and all that kind of stuff, right? The whole – well, I mean – it's so funny, like schooling that they call teamwork cheating, you know, because you're working together and it's like, that's what we do in the real world, you know, it's oh, yeah. not like we're all copying off of our test and doing stupid shit, like no, but we're working through problems, we're explaining it to each other, like we're, we're studying together, like if I hadn't done all that stuff, I wouldn't have got through college, because yeah. I, was, I was so burnt out and done and I was young and married, and my daughter was, you know, like running around a toddler and it's like, I had other shit that I was thinking about, like. If I hadn't had those friends to get me through, like, school, like, I wouldn't have made it. Oh, no. You know, right. and it's like, that, that was, that's how I thrive. Like, us working in the small groups and working together, like, that's what helped me learn. Because I can't just sit in a classroom and learn. I don't learn that
1: way. That's what everybody else was doing except for me.
0: Yeah. And just because you were having a hard time getting to people or networking or talking or what?
1: All of the above. <laughs> I had all the above issues. Fair enough. I, I just, I could not really connect or relate with people. I was very isolated. I, you, know, you haven't found your people yet. I haven't found people. I, I will say, I still probably haven't found people. Or okay. My people. It's, I, I'm not, i not, I'm still working on that. Okay.
0: No, it's, for some people, I think it might take them a long time. And then once you kind of have your people, I can stick with them. Yeah. You know, it's like, I always tell people, I'd have, I'd much rather have like a small handful of very close friends, yeah, than I would a hundred acquaintances that yeah. I barely know. You know, which is why one of the reasons why I hate social media, and it, it's the fact that it it encourages, yeah. like being acquaintances and not even really being good yeah. friends with someone. Like I would much rather sit down here right now and yeah. talk to you, you know, than be chatting with like forty people online that I don't even fucking know in a in a group text or a chat room or. Uh, what, what do they do now? Like these Twitch streams or yeah. whatever? It's like, I'd, I'd much rather sit here and just talk with you yeah. and connect than I would, you know, it's like sit down with a bunch of random
1: people I, I don't even know. This is also one of those things that doesn't help on my end. So, my growing up in an isolated version of that, my family and extended family are interesting. I should say that. Well, they're
0: family, they're meant to be.
1: um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So anyways, what would happen is – and I don't know if you've ever had anybody do this to you, but this is a, actually a very common occurrence in my family. Um, you can have a conversation with somebody and they will literally leave right in the middle of the conversation and just walk away. That seems rude. It is very rude. Uh, you can ask my wife. She was basically shocked when they did that. But that's what they do all the time. So one of the things that transferred over, especially in college – I don't do well in groups of people. One-on-one, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, so the way my family works, um, if there's something more interesting than what you're, what the conversation is about, they will just leave. Or if... So I am... My sister is the prized one. She's younger than I am, but she is the prized child. Okay. I am a second-class citizen in my family. Okay. So if... If I'm talking to one of my relatives and my sister starts talking, they will literally just walk away and go start talking to her.
0: And go see what all the, the big hubbub is around because
1: we don't need to talk to Ryan, loser. We don't. So, yeah, that, that doesn't hurt your mental health at all. Oh, no. That's not <laughs> scarring at all. So, um, I know when we were originally talking about doing something on a, a depression, you, were, you said, oh, I got some... Uh, another guy I know that has, that struggled with this. We should get a round table on this. And I'm like, I don't know if that would actually work because I may just clam up because there's more than one other person in here. Now I've gone, I've come a long way. Yeah. If you would have met me, you know, 10 years ago, yes, I would have clammed up. There's no way you would have gotten me to talk with another person in that room. Okay. Because of that, because of that kind of situation where, I wasn't interesting enough to hold a conversation with somebody you know or somebody else would walk in the room Well at least
0: in the perception that you have in your own mind from yeah. the 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 years of neglect I guess I, that I, your family has shown you
1: I will say and and we know this is true because even to this day they will do that They've done it to my wife they've done it to me they will it's something that they do regularly Um, yes, it's extremely rude, but that's the way they work, you know? Um, doesn't mean that it's okay. No, but there's no way we can change that.
0: Well, you you can't change anybody else. No. Right. That's the whole thing. It's like, all you can do is work on you,
1: but like what everybody else does, that's up to them. No, it's one of those things. They will do that regularly. Um, up to this day, you know, Thanksgiving was a little bit ago. We didn't really have that problem there, but uh, you said, oh, I should just talk to my dad about whatever. My dad has basically stopped talking to me. I have no idea why. Now, I do know. Do You guys didn't you guys
0: have a falling out or a fight or anything? He just doesn't want to talk to you?
1: He just doesn't talk to me.
0: So you see him at family events, oh, yeah. but he won't talk to you? Yeah. Do you try to talk to him?
1: I can, yeah. And he'll basically just shut me down. Really? Yeah. But
0: What the fuck, dad?
1: He will carry on converse- full half hour, hour conversations with my brother-in-law who's married to my sister. (laughs) Something wrong with that picture. Oh yes. You should, you should hear my wife vent about some of this kind of stuff. It is, it makes no sense whatsoever, but he will talk to my brother-in-law over the whole entire time and not say a single word to me.
0: (laughs) Um, Uh, have you tried to talk to him about the fact that he doesn't talk to you? Mm -hmm. You Like, hey, have I upset you? Is there something wrong? Is there something we need to talk about? Is everything okay? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we have these conversations when I see you? Why do
1: you shut me down when I try to talk to you? One of the problems we have with that is, and and we've come across this a a bunch of times, um, the solution, the general solution that all therapists or somebody will give you is, hey, can we have, can we sit down and talk about this you hurt my feelings you did this whatever uh we will get if i i've tried this before with both my parents you will get evasion you will get deflection and you'll basically say it wasn't that bad and that's what they'll do okay or for my mom Put a smile on it. We'll 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 make it all better.
0: She's still giving the same advice? Oh, she she hasn't learned anything else she yet? She
1: will still give the same advice. Damn it, woman. <laughs> but it's also, it does translate down to my kids and my wife and everything. It's, we are all second class citizens and they will walk away or they will, you know, do something else before they go see any of us. So it's talking to them is we've found out is literally out of the question because they will not respond in any way, shape or form to that. If, if I were to try to talk to my dad about any of this kind of stuff, he would basically just walk away. My dad is a very awkward person. My, my wife has noted that many times. She's like, cause she has an outside perspective on my family. That, yeah, of course. Um, But she didn't live through it. She she, married into it. She, she says he's probably one of the most awkward people you will ever meet. (laughs) And it's probably not an understatement. Uh, but it's also, you know, I would assume some of those things come to, you know, my dad's been kind of harsh on me. Um, his joking manner is a little odd, but, uh, I, I remember one thing clearly uh, when I graduated. So I, like I said, I slept through high school. I, it was boring. You know, I could have gotten a lot better grades. I could have got, done a lot better stuff. But I graduated, you know, I had a three, 3-0 something, 3, you know, very easily yeah. graduated. Uh, first thing my dad said to me, he goes, uh, I didn't think you would make it.
0: Thanks for the vote of confidence, Dad. And it's like.
1: Were you there the entire time? Did you, like not you did see? you notice I didn't give a shit and I still got good grades? You not see that? You you got my report cards every quarter. You saw all this stuff. You saw that I was doing just fine. So, but they chalked that up to that's his sense of humor.
0: <laughs> no, that's him being an asshole. Now, my best friend in high school, who graduated with like a point zero something GPA. I still fucking don't know how they passed him. I'm pretty sure it was just a get the fuck out of here kind of thing. We'll let you go through for whatever reason. And it's like, hey, bro, isn't there supposed to be numbers in front of the point? Like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, it's like that I understand his dad giving him shit because he just never showed up to school. He was – honestly, he was always out working. Yeah. Like he didn't give two shits about school. He Mm -hmm. just got jobs and was always out running around doing whatever. And it's like that I understand because they were like – busting his balls of like, dude, like you've yeah. got to be serious or you're going to be fucking in summer school trying to get your grades up so you get your diploma. Yeah. Like what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, and he knew it. He was dicking off or yeah. whatever. But so like that is like, this, it wasn't meant to be hurtful. It was like a, how the fuck did you make this happen? Because you shouldn't have passed. <laughs> no. You know, so I get that kind of comedy yeah. or that can be yeah. saying, okay, okay, that's joking. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But your your father just saying to you, oh, we didn't think you'd make it. Like, no, you're just being a hurtful <laughs> dick at this point, like what's going on here?
1: Yeah, that's kind of a trend that's that's what he you know that's what he does that's that's kind of his thought process, and it's just like I said it at this point, he doesn't really talk to me, you know it was he's got something else more important and something more entertaining to talk about with you know my brother in law and you know that's it, okay, so where that all comes from. I have no idea.
0: Well, unfortunately, until he could explain to you what he's thinking, you're never going to know. So, Which
1: I don't think he will ever be able to It do. doesn't
0: sound like it because it, it sounds like he hasn't matured at all in the last how <laughs> many years. So,
1: My dad is uh, 67, 68.
0: Yeah, he'll probably <laughs> die a crotchety old fuck and with a lot of regrets later in his life, unfortunately. So once, once he gets closer to death, that's when he'll have a bunch of regrets and try to reach out to you and make things better for himself. But unfortunately at that point, it's too little too
1: late. I'm not sure even that, because what we've come up with, and and this is through a lot of, um, this is where I, so I, I see a pretty, pretty specialized therapist. She is, you know, trained a little bit more towards my end of things. And this stuff is even odd for what, what they're used to seeing. Yeah. Um, my parents don't have that ca- capability in them. They're basically missing that piece. Um, I know that they've had their own histories. I know I know pieces and parts of things that have happened to them, but I don't believe my dad will ever hit that point of regretting and coming coming around. Yeah, we'll see because that part is literally not there. Uh,
0: that's a pretty human emotion to have, especially when you're like you're close to death. Like I know that like my my grandfather was really tough on my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like the the firstborn, then two daughters after that, which he spoiled and everything mm-hmm. else, and and nothing he ever did was ever good enough for his dad yeah. and all these kind of things. But once once my grandpa got like really sick at the end of his life, yeah. he realized, Oh shit, I've kind of been an asshole. I better try to make some amends. And he and he tried to you know, like like I think most people would, you know, and yeah. perhaps your parents won't, but I don't, I, I think history would say that yeah. a lot of people would, I they mean, will. like again, they may not. We'll see. Time will we're tell. Gonna,
1: we're going to see. It, it's, it's getting up there. Yeah. You know, depending uh, on how their
0: health is, you know, we'll know here pretty quickly. It's
1: unfortunately, it's probably not too, it's, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. You know, they're still, they're still traveling. They're still doing their thing. Good for them. But, you know. Uh, they they took the standard, you work and then travel and do all that kind of stuff. That's great, but we don't get a lot of help, you know. In, in that that. But honestly,
0: that almost sounds like it's for the better, because you don't need that kind of negativity like around your kids more than
1: it needs to be. We have decided to, to highly regulate how much our kids see uh, my parents, um, because there are things that they will put my sister's kids over my kids um so that's the thing is we have structured that time and and they go you know it was usually up until pandemic stuff it was they go over once a week and you know it's a handful of hours and it's they can't do too much damage because it's oh we're gonna make cookies and we're gonna you know my dad's now making dinners and you know he buys his sous vide stuff and you know all that kind of stuff and makes all this kind of nice food and gives it to the kids and you, that stuff is not going to be damaging. That's yes. that's positive interaction. Yeah. Those are those are moments
0: they'll look back with like when they're older of like, "Yeah, we used to get together and bake cookies or yeah. we made food, or we made dinner." And I like cooking now because of all this, you know. So that's that's really yeah. cool.
1: One of the things and and you were talking about, eventually they'll start to realize on the emotional level. This is one of the interesting examples that came up with them watching the kids is uh they uh, we we through another time or through some other things we had to keep our kids there for a little while, um, and we play music to, for bed. You know, we just let them put on music, and they played uh, Disney's Cars, which is all sorts of different types of music. And my mom was like, "Okay, what is all this kind of music that's listening to?" It's like that's the movie Cars. It's a soundtrack to Cars, and they have you know country and old-timey. It's it's, just this mix. And I said, you know, and and I was standing there with both my parents. I said, maybe why don't you guys, we'll give you our, our Disney Plus subscription. You can log in, and you guys can watch Cars with the Boys. And my dad was like, well, we don't watch TV. And obviously, they do watch TV, but it's the point of I was trying to say, hey, you could watch it with the kids and create memories and emotional attachments and, you know, all this kind of stuff that we do with our kids went straight over their head. Just, they didn't understand it at all. It was, why would we watch TV versus not watch TV? You know, it completely didn't get it at all. And so just the, the lacking of emotional depth altogether is, is one thing there. So, um yeah, that was me growing up. You know. There was there was nothing there, you know. There was nobody to turn to, nobody to talk to.
0: Which made you obviously just internalize everything. I
1: internalize literally you know, which, everything. Which
0: is never a healthy thing for, for anyone, especially a young kid who's going through like I mean, it's such a confusing time growing yep. up, you know, and you you really need good structure, I believe, in your household, you know, to to help to learn how to deal with it properly. Because yep. if not, then you know, bad things start to happen. Things start to bubble over. You oh, yeah. start to to blow up or develop angers, yep. or uh, who who knows what the fuck's going on with these kids nowadays? I mean, it's like nobody listens to these kids. No, you know, like all, all of them are just like they're stuffed like with iPads or whatever mm-hmm. in front or front front of the TV, yeah. and like don't talk to me. I'm scrolling Instagram for these really important things that I'm looking for. And it's like you're looking at butts. What are you doing? Like that's what Instagram's for. Like you look at butts. I don't know. What women look at. Maybe they look at dicks. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's like. <laughs> Like that's what it's for. Like, yeah. like, what are you, what are you doing? That's so goddamn important. You can't yeah. sit down and talk to your kids or do whatever. Does they just want to shut them up? Yeah. Like here's here's a device, and I mean, how many times have you gone out to like a restaurant, oh, yeah. and you see a kid who's playing on their mom or dad's phone or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And then like they're getting ready to leave or something, and the parents take the phone back and the kids start screaming, yep. and it's like you're telling me you can't just not watch that for two seconds and walk out to the
1: car and it's, it's like holy shit so much easier i will say it's so much easier just to do that that's what they're doing it's it i, I was i mean you know the places we've both worked it's you're crazy on on the, some of those times you're so overworked and underappreciated oh yeah and just tense beyond yeah, belief especially that,
0: in the field that we're in. yeah nobody nobody gives two shits no they don't um, it's all just problems you sons of bitches always cause all these problems like actually we fix your fuck ups but yeah they, you, you're welcome
1: it's just it's it's a never-ending headache and and you know taking that stuff home it's <coughs> so much easier just to give the kids tablets and you have a nice quiet dinner
0: well i get it but <laughs> i don't think it's good for the kids no it's not you know i like to, i really believe that those things need to be regulated because i know like when i was a kid I watched way too much TV. I mean, oh, it's yeah. just, I remember, like, we get, get home from school, if it was, like, a rainy day or something, we couldn't go outside and play, and no. you sit in front of the TV all damn night, and it's like, this, this is not
1: good. Like, See, I did that during sunny days with, you know. Well, yeah, but the, it's the, different, because, <laughs> like, I had people to go play
0: with. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's, you know, like, you didn't, so you, like, yeah. what were you going to do? Like, go outside and throw the baseball to yourself? Yeah, exactly. Just throw it across the yard and walk <laughs> over there and get it, and then pick it back and throw it back <laughs> across the yard and fucking walk over yeah. and get it. It's kind of tough.
1: A little bit. Uh, when I got older, I got into cycling, you know, I had a, a road cycle and, or road bicycle. And I, I was doing... 10 speed. It was Sh-
0: shifter on the uh, crossbar.
1: No, no. It's, this was, you know, full blown, you know, I had gear shifts, click once stop, up, up and down. Ooh, yeah, fancy it, was, shit. it was, it was actually, I mean, at that time it was expensive and. Oh, you know, yeah.
0: That was top of the line back then. It was,
1: it was very fancy. Um. But yeah, no, I would I'd do that all the time and and, and run around you know, we had a bunch of hills and stuff like that and you know, that was me doing my own thing. Yeah, you know. Um but yeah, there there was not I, I was watching TV all the time, you know. Um which doesn't help with the <laughs> with the chemicals and, and all of that. So um yeah very isolated across the board you know and then you know you move into something like our career and you know which i thought for the longest time i i just thought that was what you were supposed to do yeah you know and i mean
0: that's what society tells you to do exactly you go to school you get good grades you go to college because if you don't you're a loser and then you get your degree and then you go get a job and you realize oh all the things I learned in school are bullshit because they were taught by people who didn't have any real-world experience, who were teaching out of a book, who've never done anything in their lives, so now I've got to relearn all, or unlearn all those bad habits and relearn good habits, and now I can actually do my job. Okay, great.
1: I was lucky. I had a, I had a very good professor that I followed around for most of my engineering engineering career, and uh, he he's... I don't know if he actually did work, but he's very good at... Well, that, sir, is a rarity, it is and a rarity. you know that. And, and that's why I structured all my classes around his classes. He was the hardest professor, but he was great in that regard. Um, so that prepared me for the job, not necessarily the information of the job, but the job itself. And, uh, you know, that helped me out a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the the career stuff... That killed me, just absolutely killed me. You know, I was, when I got in there, I was planning, oh, I'd be a principal and, you know, move my way up and what society told me. And it was just killing me, you know. Um, I didn't have the outlets that everybody else had, you know. What
0: do you Um, mean the outlets? Well,
1: so I didn't have the friends. I did not have any friends. Now I I met my wife. In you mean college. like a way
0: to like decompress from work, no, maybe de- to leave it at the office. I did not, leave.
1: To not to not take things home. I did not leave anything at the office. Okay. I took everything at home. Now, so I met my, my wife in college. We got married right after, right after college, and I brought everything home. I brought everything going. Um, I carried work around with me twenty four seven,
0: which is not healthy. No, it is not.
1: Um, my wife will tell you, I, she had full conversations with me when I was asleep, because I was so stressed out. Full conversations, like I was awake, and that is because of the massive amounts of stress I was carrying with me. Really? Yeah. So I would sleep talk. I'd sit up. She could have a conversation with me. And you wouldn't remember any of it. I wouldn't remember anything.
0: That's interesting.
1: That is what that is, and and I'm finding out it's. <sighs> REM sleep is rapid eye movement sleep. And that's your way of processing everything that happened that day.
0: That's your deep sleep, right? Deep it's sleep. like, cause you've got to get through like the dreaming stage and then there's like a middle stage. And then the deep one yeah. is the REM, right? REM.
1: And what your eyes are doing is going back and forth and recreating what's going on. And it, it's kind of processing and, and, and I don't know the best way to describe this, but it's, it's just working through all that stuff. And that's, I was so stressed out with that, that that's, it was manifesting that way.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, yeah, she'd have full conversations. I wouldn't know it. Um, I got so stressed out. I, uh, I get a fever. I would actually manifest a fever and I'd sleep for a day and be perfectly fine the next day. So it's that internalizing literally everything that eventually it's a break that, you know, there's a breaking point. And it just, it would explode every once in a while. Yeah. Um, how, how would it explode for you? I'm trying to think. It would, most of the time I would collapse in on myself, you know. Um, would you go
0: into like a deep depression? You wouldn't be able to function? Well, like, would you blow up in anger? Or like, how, how would it
1: manifest itself? Most of my depression signs, um, because around that time, I went to the doctor and was, was clinically diagnosed with severe depression. Um, before that it was, you know, I wouldn't talk to anybody, you know, I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't, you know,
0: common signs. Yeah.
1: I, I, we, we, we figured it out. I would sleep. I'm showing you this, the air quotes sleep, um, But I wouldn't get restful sleep. Yes, you wouldn't wake up and feel rejuvenated. I would not because there's so much going on. And I would literally just collapse into myself, Uh, consider it a walking zombie, you know, because I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't do anything. I just, it was all stuck in my head. Um, This creates a lot of problems in a marriage. Yes. (laughs) That uh, doesn't help. A lot.
0: No, communication is probably the best thing you can do in a in a marriage, and not communicating is probably one of the worst. Yes.
1: I did a lot of not communicating, uh, a lot of defensive, you know, it's, it's a lot of that, you know. Um, around that time, I was also drinking a lot. So, my outlet was basically drinking, you know. Uh, I remember that my wife loves this time uh studying for the professional engineering license uh i would buy yingling the big 34 packs and go through it in like three days you know and bottles of whiskey drain those things in almost no time so that was that would be my outlet right there yeah collapse into myself and and drink until you know the pain went away and then you could go go pass out and not get rest. I was functioning, you know. I could function. That's that's about it. So, um yeah, it got pretty bad that way. Um it got to the point where yeah, we were my wife and I were having some serious problems in that regard, you know. Um we did a couple different, you know, things to try to get me to improve and to to work on it. But it just, it didn't really click until, so I started, what was this? 13 was my license, so it would be 14, 2014, 2014 or 15. I think okay. it was 15. I started uh, antidepressants. For the first time? For the first time. Um, I had a high dose of uh, of uh, Alexapro generic, where what I was told was the highest dose possible on that one. They'd have to move me up to something else. Um, and uh, so all of that chaos that I was dealing with and internalizing, the best way I can describe this, and I've, the only way I've been able to describe this to people is... Um, Imagine yourself in a little room, you know, a little interrogation room type thing with a chair and a table, you got a TV in front of you, and those are your emotions, right? Now imagine the biggest uh, concert speakers you've ever seen sitting next to you blaring music. That is what I dealt with every day. Just blasting of... Everything going on, everything I had internalized, everything that was going on, every... I mean
0: like all the negative thoughts? Every negative thought you could the, ever imagine. The closed off feelings and uh, the, this, the despair and just loneliness and everything? All of the above. Okay. So it's so out, like all those negative um, reinforcements you've been bottling up for years and just suppressing are just screaming in your ears. Yep. Okay.
1: Medicine, turn that volume down. That was that was the start of that. It turned that volume down. Because my... Now, what prompted
0: you to start medicine? Was it... My wife. The fighting with your wife? Was it, okay, I'll work on this. I'll try something. Did you finally just kind of have this epiphany moment of like, no. you know what? I need to work on these things. Or? She
1: took me there. Okay. That was it. You know. Uh, she finally took me there. And it took a long time to get that thing started. But, yeah, it was... All of my past was so loud reverberating in my, my head and I bottled up so much stuff that I just, you know, I thought I could take it. She knew I couldn't, you know, it just didn't work. And she saw that through. Yeah. This marriage is not working at all. You know, just, I'm not there. I'm not, I shut down and. Nothing is working. Yeah. Period. You know. Um, I think uh, what we we met around uh, 2015, right?
0: I Somewhere was, in there. Yeah.
1: I think it was about 2015 because that's when I think I transferred to the job that we met at it was 15, and you you came in. Yeah. You and I started that. very
0: similar in times, a few yeah. a ma- few months apart.
1: I think so. And so <clears throat> that was about the worst time. That was when I was really really in a bad place um and i think i've asked you before if you noticed anything oh you hit it well it it, i you you hit it very well i was very good at hiding everything and unless you really knew me you wouldn't see any of it um because it got to the point let's see this was Probably sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. I you know, my wife and I had been fighting a lot about everything, and it got to the point where I was low enough that I had planned out uh suicide in my head. I'd planned it out. I was already, you know, trying to figure out what to do.
0: Now what what led you to that kind of conclusion that taking your own life would be better for your family than you working through
1: the issues insurance money
0: i'm pretty sure they don't pay out with suicide
1: well that's the the key can you figure out a way to do it where you don't so where it seems like an accident yeah you can plan it out so that it's an accident and
0: but again matter. like what what in your head do you do you even remember of like what What made sense in your mind that that would be best instead of knowing now, obviously, like the the stress and strain that that really puts on others? Because basically it's like, I've heard it described this way, which is interesting. It's like, you're not getting rid of that pain that you're feeling. You're just pushing it onto others because you can't deal with it. And it's like, ooh, that one hurts because... I, I personally believe that suicide is a very selfish thing yeah. because, again, you're taking your pain that you don't want to deal with and pushing it off onto your loved ones because now they have to deal with that
1: pain. I was not thinking – I did not understand any of that at that time. Um, I did not understand that doing that would have been so much worse. But in the current frame, it was it will end The problems right now yeah it would and it would stop the problems that I'm hurting everybody else because it was I was not getting any better and it just felt like I was stuck in a loop of problems and just nothing was going well yeah nothing was um nothing was working nothing was happening you know nothing was giving and it was just pounding and pounding of negativity and on all regards. And it was just make it stop. Yeah. And it was, if, if that happens and you can make it look like an accident because, so what it was is, um, you've seen all the trucks, the semis pulled over to the side of the road.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I, A little while ago, I heard a story of someone that had – and I think it may have been someone my wife knew or something. Um, They were either too tired or they were on drugs, and they don't know which one. Um, But it was late at night, and the car hit the back of one of those and killed her instantly. That's an accident, right? Yeah. If you're too tired and ram into the back of that – It's an accident, you know, that's not, you know, there's a payout for, for insurance. Yeah.
0: But also you're also taking, again, that stress. Exactly. Of someone else. Exactly. Have you having to put that burden on them that they now have killed someone because, you know, they were falling asleep or whatever. I mean, yes, it's an accident, but they could probably still get, you know, tried for manslaughter for that because. They were negligent in their duties driving and no, struck I, a vehicle would, and killed someone.
1: That would be – I would be driving. And the truck would be parked.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Run into the back of a – okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm thinking like you're parked to the side of the road yeah. and somebody hits you and, oh, I got you. Okay.
1: You, then you have full control over it. This is what's the problem with being overly smart. You come up with stuff like this. Yeah. Where it's – and in your mind, because of how, you
0: know, messed up it is at the moment, you don't realize that obviously these are temporary problems that can be fixed yes. and you can work through them. You're just thinking, well, if I did this, it would end all the suffering that I'm bringing to yes. everybody else.
1: Yeah, it would. At that moment, you're so overwhelmed with everything that's going on in your head that it doesn't, you know, how do you get out of that? How do you dig out of that stuff? It's, it's also the fact that, again, I had grown up with none, nothing like that. Yeah. No,
0: no healthy outlets, nobody to talk to, just to learn to internalize everything and put on a fake smile and put yourself out there for the world. And so
1: how do you get, how do you break that? You know, when you don't even know that it can be broken. Yeah. You know, um, in talking with my wife on those kind of things, it's, you know, the The response that would always be is, well, why can't we just sit down and talk? You can talk about all this stuff and vent to me and do all this stuff. And it's like, that didn't help. <laughs> that That didn't help at all. Talking about my problems didn't help. And then, you know, you listen to – around that time, you started listening to the more self-help podcast. It's so okay, go to the gym and get some exercise because that will help you.
0: Can help a lot with like the endorphins and the chemicals yep. and stuff in your in your brain, which which can be helpful for a lot of people. But
1: my stuff was so off that I could work out and be even more in, in a worse place than really? I was to start. Okay, so it's one of those things when when somebody tells you that oh, go out and go for a run, it'll clear your mind, it'll do that. Well, no. When you're out on a run, you get to focus on all that stuff even more because you're all, all by yourself.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> there's time to focus on that. Which yeah. that I can understand.
1: And so it would only make it worse. Yeah, talking about things wouldn't fix anything. It's just okay it now. It brings I'm, it to the surface. More things you've sur- been
0: trying to ignore. All
1: the stuff I've been bottling up. Yeah. So in a situation like that, it's there really was no in my head there was no way out of that. There was no way to break that because, okay, everything everybody is telling me to help me is not working. Go for a run. Makes it worse. Talk about it to somebody. Makes it worse. You know? So I can bottle it up again and go about my day. And as you saw, there's no problems. You know? there's There's absolutely no problems. No, you did a great job hiding it. You know? That was so... Um, the, the planning of the, the, the suicidal thoughts, uh, that was a day, uh, I came into work after, after telling my wife that, and, uh, you know, I functioned just normal. I don't, no one else could tell, you know, but I was in a really bad place right there, you know, sitting right, right across from you. Oh yeah. But. For that, I apologize.
0: No, 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 no. no. no I'm serious because no. normally I've got a pretty good radar. <laughs> you have a about good... when people aren't feeling quite themselves and what's going on, and and I've I've worked very hard over the last you know 10, 15 years to become the kind of person that people can feel they can open up to in a yeah. safe place where they're not going to be judged, and I'm not going to go out and tell the whole world about it. And they, it's again, that's a safe place where somebody can talk to. So well, that for that, weird. I do apologize yeah. for not. You know, at least trying to like open up to to be there for you
1: at the moment. Oh, that's your candy but, jar that you put up on. Well, there's
0: there, there's that too. That's, <laughs> that's the, it's a bear trap. <laughs>
1: uh, but, no, uh, you have nothing to to apologize for because this is something that is way out of norm. This is not something that normal people would be able to see. Yeah,
0: again, like I said, so normally I'm really you're, good at picking those things out. You're but very
1: good, and you did a really good job of hiding that shit. That is the same thing as my wife. Unless you knew me, you would not be able to tell. And uh, my, even my therapist, you know, it took a year or so before she could start to tell what was going on. Okay, and now she can read me like a book. You know, she can. Uh, this past one, I came in she's like, you're tired. So we're not going to do the heavy, do any heavy stuff.
0: Okay. That's smart.
1: If I saw some guys at work earlier, you know, a couple hours before they didn't know any difference that I was tired. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things you have to really be attuned to me to be able to see that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't have tells like normal people do you know um my wife knows that my therapist knows that my son can kind of see that
0: yeah i could see that
1: yeah and that's about it because are you starting
0: to see it in yourself you're starting to realize some of the um the, the telltale signs maybe of like okay there's something wrong here maybe i should readdress these kind of things or you're not quite there yourself yet
1: I'm in a much better place with that. Then again, most of the things that I do is I don't let myself get to a point like that anymore. I keep myself well away from a point like that. Good. Um, but it's one of those things. Yeah. No, you, you would have never known. And unless I told you and you know, there, there's no way you could have known There there's no matter how good you are at, you know, trained therapists couldn't, couldn't tell at that mm-hmm. point, so it's 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 a unique skill that I have. Right, not a good one. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a good yeah. one. I, I will say uh, I, I may have probably the best poker face ever, you know. But um, you know, that's the way it was. That, I I've had a lot of practice and training with that, you know, walking getting up and doing my job even though i am in a terrible place you know acting like it's normal um but yeah i i I don't have the social connections that you're that you would be looking for the social social cues Mm -hmm. and you know i don't have a lot of those kind of things because i wasn't raised like that i wasn't raised i i i'm still socially awkward i'm still socially you know uh i'm I'm not there yet I mean it's a
0: lot to overcome, you know, so there's there's a lot of processing there to to work on so so
1: when you when you say it like that, it's like what option do you actually have? Do you actually have any other options you know I mean, I think it's
0: to to do the things you're doing now, yeah, you know it's like to to work on yourself, to learn how to be okay like around others, you know to 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 put yourself out there and realize that yeah. it's it's okay. I don't have to just be alone all the time or just be with my family because it's comfortable, you know. Because it's it's what I'm familiar with. Like there's 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 great things to that, you know. But again, it's not like there's some fucking magic fix of like, oh well, I should just get all this stuff. No, now. It, it's it's like, not. no, it doesn't work that way. But it's it's that
1: tipping point because once you you get in there, you go see somebody, something like that. It's a tipping point, and that tipping point was those suicidal thoughts that I had that pushed that over the hill you know it, it you're trapped and that was the only direction i thought i had yeah well there's tons of other directions there's other things there but to escape the place that i was from basically a prison that i had created you know in, in isolation and and internalizing everything i ever felt how do you escape that, because oh, let's go talk about it with a therapist. Well, talking about it doesn't help you know it it's it was a no win, no escape situation that took something pretty extreme to actually crack that shell or that you know prison, okay, and yeah, that's six years. You know, that's six years of trying to find the right person to to help me out. And uh, once finding the right person, it's actually doing a lot of very deep diving into how things work. Because you can talk to just about anybody with this kind of stuff. But some of the things that I would describe, like... Somebody walking out of me, one of my own family members walking out of, walking away from me in, during the middle of a conversation. How many people can relate to that? You know, how many people have ever had that happen to you, let alone your own family doing it? Yeah. You know, um, it's not something that just anybody can. Most people will say, like you just said, that's really rude. And that's about it. Yeah. That's about all you can do and then it's oh well the normal path is go talk to them tell them you that it hurt your feelings and they won't do it again
0: it's unlikely (laughs) because they probably don't give a shit they don't care that's the problem right because again but you also can't control their actions either you can't you know but i think your your best course of action is to, to at least speak your mind and be like hey shithead like, uh is it my was, was I saying something boring? There's something going on? It's like you gotta go take a piss? Like what's up? Like what's going on here? Like why are you, why are you just walking away? You know?
1: So it takes someone very special to actually understand how to deal with, with that kind of thing because that's not a yeah. usual a typical thing. No, it's it's a very it's, uncommon thing. It's a very I mean, it un- might
0: have happened to a couple people. From time to time, yeah, but it can't be a normal thing like you've had to deal with most of your
1: life. I guarantee somebody, you know, you've been at a party. Everybody's been at a party or some, something like that has happened to someone, yeah, or everybody. You say
0: something stupid or awkward, and somebody goes, "Okay," and exactly. they just kind of walk away. But that 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 itself is even different because yeah. you're like, "Oh shit, I did something stupid." It wasn't like mm-hmm. I was just talking to them. I was telling them about something. I was excited or whatever. Yeah. And this is what's going on, and they just up and leave. Like, yes. hold on a
1: second. Like, the fuck is going on here? <laughs> now and un- processing s- the the mental damage that that causes when it not only happens once but it happens multiple times or something like that yeah you know it and that's not to mention just all the other garbage that's gone on um this is this is one of those things um one of the things that my therapist has talked to me about is there's there's two types of trauma there's big T trauma and small T trauma. Okay. I experienced small T trauma. Okay. Big T trauma is if I were to take a baseball bat and hit you over the head. Like physical trauma. Well, yes and no. But the reaction you get, say, the next day if I bring a baseball bat in, what is the reaction you're going to give me? A fear. Fear. Right. Because you're like, oh, you hit me over the head with this. and Yeah, obviously you know, you're going to do it again. Normally you would probably be – Take one of the guns out of your safe and say, you know, back off. You know, like I
0: always say, it's like, if you see that thing, there's, there's rounds coming out of it at that point. So exactly. I'll try to de-escalate it first, but if we got to go there, something's going to more.
1: But the reaction you would be is, okay, I'm going to be defensive because I I see you have a baseball bat. Stay the fuck away
0: from me. Stay over there. Whatever. Yeah.
1: Physical trauma is a, it's not the exact definition, but that is a big T trauma. Okay. Uh, something dramatic. Uh, You know, a major event, if you witness a catastrophic event or a part of a catastrophic event, maybe you weren't hurt in it, but you witnessed, you know, some catastrophic event, that's a big T trauma. Okay. Um, That stuff that, it scarred you, it's not going to... Yeah, those are major things to work through. Major things to work through. My stuff is categorized more as a small T trauma. Uh, Think of it more like... uh, a joke about Chinese water torture you know the dripping one drop it's not going to do anything you hit 100,000 it's going to bore a hole through your head um, it's subtle it's you don't see it it's um, mine manifested in emotional neglect you know it was It's. it's a there's no emotional support and so it was emotional neglect. And so that never developed, you know, it was like things we talked about, you know, I don't even realize I am doing some of the things that I'm doing to neglect you emotionally. Yeah. And so with the emotional neglect, that's there, you as a child, you don't develop emotionally correctly. And, you know, along with the other 500 things that, The stars had to align to get it right here i am you know that sort of thing um but the the small t trauma is not a physical it's not a dramatic event it's more of a gradual thing stuff i grew up with this stuff since the first thing i can remember yeah um this has been my entire life that this has acted this way. Still to this day. Yeah,
0: And again, because you didn't know that it was wrong at the no. time, it was just the way things were. Right. And it's just kind of been building and building and building yeah. and building until it got to the point where you were so where depressed. that You were like, I should just kill myself and yes. stop all the trauma that I'm causing all the people around me that I love.
1: Yes. And that was not the right solution.
0: I don't no. think it. Ever really is. I mean, granted, I'm all about like self suicide, like for like cancer patients, people who are terminal, you know, if they don't want to go through the chemo and they want to go out, you know, like on their shield and go out peacefully, I'm all about that. But for someone who's just going through some struggles, it's like, you know what? Like, we can get through this and there can be good, there can and will be good days ahead.
1: But I will say this. The pain that you're looking at with, say, that terminal cancer patient, they don't want to go through the pain that, that, that's involved. The pain is not worth it to go on. The, you know, you have six months to live. Okay, I don't want to get worse. So I'd rather just say, I'm on good terms now. Say goodbye to everybody. Yeah, get my affairs, get your affairs in order. order. Done. No pain. Nothing. When you're living with that, just because it's mental and internal, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt yeah. just as bad. Um, you know, everybody, I, I've i said, it, how do I describe this? Hell on earth. Oh, I. You can create your own hell in your own head. Believe me, I lived in hell for many years. You know, heaven and hell that I was there. I was, I was stuck in that place. No problem. You know, um, torturing yourself every day mentally, you know, um, you know, like you said, our industry is not overly friendly so
0: (laughs) (laughs) they don't really care about your feelings no they They just want you to do you know 60 hours worth of work in 30 hours let's go
1: the the you know the the new trends of oh we need a mental health day yeah our industry doesn't really have that but it's one of those things that when you don't know any different you just kill yourself over that kind of stuff yeah um I don't do that anymore. Believe me. Uh, I work overtime. I don't do anything. I recently got a job that's much easier in that regard. You know, uh, I don't have the stresses. I've specifically gotten rid of a lot of those stresses. Um, But that's also knowing I've escaped my own little prison. I I found that there was an escape. I think that's
0: also in some of the work that you've done in the last six years with oh. your therapist of understanding some of what's causing some of these problems, mm. how do we eliminate them? How do we get them out of our lives? Like I've never had trouble leaving work at work. Yep. I've never had a problem with that. And what started it for me was my first boss out of college. Yep. You know, watching you know, watching Lewis like come into the office coughing and hacking and just literally making himself sick Mm -hmm. because of all the stress that he was under. And granted, he he was a great engineer and he loved what he did, but he wasn't even getting to do the things that he loved anymore because now he's running his own business and his Mm -hmm. company. So he's talking to clients and doing problems and drumming up work and fixing relationships with old clients to drum up more work and to try to keep everybody else busy and get them to be doing the things that he wants to be doing. (laughs) You know, but I can literally remember watching him like just in the office when he was so stressed, he would cough and he wouldn't realize it It was a nervous tick. But we all knew when he was stressed because he would be coughing. And it's like he would come into work, you know, first thing in the morning and work all day and go to Mm -hmm. meetings and go this and that. And then then he would go home because he worked, you know, five minutes from his house, which is convenient and that's nice. Mm -hmm. And then he would have dinner with his family. And then he would come back and work until yeah. 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, go home, get four or five hours of sleep, and then come back and do it all over again the next day. Like, this was his life. And oh it's yeah. like, fuck, I don't ever want to do that. Like, I understand we all need to work to live. Like, yeah. I, I like living indoors. I like paying my mortgage. I like eating food. Yeah. I like going out and doing things with friends, you know. Yeah. I, I enjoy those kind of things. And it's like, I know I need money to, mm-hmm. to do that. I can't just sit at home and mm-hmm. hope someone pays my fucking mortgage. It doesn't work that way. Like, I've got to go pay it. I understand that. But I've never had an issue of being like, you know, that's just work. Yep. It's not my self-worth. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. It's not like my identity and everything yep. else that some people talk about. It's like, it's just a job. It's mm-hmm. a job that pays my bills. So hopefully I can go live my life in the way that I want
1: to. Yeah. You have a good outlook on that. At that time, I did not. Yes. And when you talk about the guys that would go home and have dinner and then go, there was uh, one night, one of the principals was there uh, and it was 2 a.m. and a guy crashed through, a drunk guy crashed through the front door of the office. He had to call the police. And then it's, well, wait a minute, why were you there? Why the fuck are you there at (laughs) 2 in the morning? (laughs) Why were you, wait a minute, something's not right here. No, I get it. You know, but he was there at 2 in the morning, you know. And and that's the thing is that's the route I was on. Cause I didn't know any different. Yeah. And the same thing when you isolate yourself, you don't have other people to tell you, Hey, wait a minute, something's not good. Yeah. I hadn't
0: Like I know this seems normal in your brain, but it's not normal and
1: here's why. Yes. Have you ever
0: thought about it this
1: way? Exactly. I was not exactly open to those ideas. Okay. My wife was there telling me those kind of things. We weren't ready to hear it yet. I was not ready. Okay. I worked my first job out of college for 7 years. Should have left a lot sooner than yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those those especially where you came from like those kind of jobs you stay two maybe 3 years and yeah. you're like fuck this I'm out.
1: It was well it did, didn't help so I graduated in 2008 and when i graduated the market has dried up yes when i graduated the only people that were hiring was engineering and it yeah that was about it literally no one else was hiring yeah it was a rough time i got hired before i got hired before i graduated so they came over they you know they interviewed me and everything and they gave me an offer and said hey when you graduate Come work for us. Okay. So I started or I graduated. My last test was on a Friday. I graduated Saturday and I started work Monday. Monday, yeah. And so I, I think it's part of that desperation where no one was hiring.
0: You but know? you hear all the horror stories too because you got all these other kids who are now trying to leave and go into the marketplace yeah. and no one's hiring. Yeah. You're like, these people offer me a job. I'm going to take it.
1: That's where I was. I, I it was a good job. I got a signing bonus. You know, it was it was a good offer. Yeah,
0: it's like what you call like a big boy job. Like out it of school, was. like that's what you went to school for. Yes. So let's 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 do it. Let's go.
1: Should not have stayed there seven years.
0: And that's understandable, <laughs> but you didn't know what you didn't know then. I didn't know. Um, and also, it was a bad time. You didn't really want to be leaving too no, because it, the market was so shitty. That was, Cause like that's when I lost my first job out of college. Because we, we had dried up work yeah. because nothing nobody was doing anything. So, like, I got hired into another place just because a bunch of other people left. Yeah. And they they still had work because they were working for hospitals mostly. And hospitals always fucking have yeah. money. So, it's like, well, they need people, so you should go. I'm like, okay.
1: Well, every year they would take away more – Benefits. That's how they they handled it. Justified, yeah. That's that's what they said. Oh, we're going to take away this benefit this year. Yeah. Next year, oh, we're going to take this benefit Yeah, ours
0: was like, we weren't getting raises and stuff because we didn't have money coming in. Like, okay, well, it's tough times. I get it. Okay.
1: And that was the first four years. So on top of the internalization, the mental stuff. You're literally
0: getting paid less and less and less to have a job. And you're supposed to be grateful just because they're giving you a job. And it's like, hey, fuck face. You're supposed to be taking care of me. Yeah. Because I'm and, what's building this company.
1: Yeah. And, and in those firms, employees are the most expensive thing they've got. Keeping the lights on, it's pennies. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it. So that, didn't, that was not a good, you know, my wife would have liked to see me out of there before seven years, but finally got me out of there at seven years. Okay. Moved over to another one that was terrible seven months and then met you at, were, the, know, the other job we worked. The out, other yeah. job, <laughs> the infamous. The place we're
0: not going to mention on air.
1: No, that, I won't mention that. Other than the, you know, owner is a little crazy, and yeah, he's uh,
0: a little self deluged uh, Yes, Deluged? Is, is that the right word? He I, believes his own bullshit. Let's put it that way. Yes,
1: I think you're making that word up, but yes, yes it's it's appropriate. Um, but yes, that that was that was a good time that was a time that i could that i was breaking out of my own prison and thankfully i had you and our boss who it was great i amazing. fucking love him
0: i miss him god i wish i could <laughs> fucking talk to him again
1: that was great times with the three of us yeah. there you know and that was a supporting time where i could you know rebound and try to find a better balance of work
0: life balance and yes. everything and you know, all the other things you were going through and starting your medication yes. and therapy and those kind of things and um, so that's great.
1: Yeah, it was uh you wouldn't have known it, but yeah, I was driving driving to therapy right after work and Good. You know, that sort of thing. And, Good. Uh yeah, it it's uh it's been a it's been a crazy thing. Uh recently we talked about uh, REM sleep. I'm going to be starting EMDR therapy. Now, what's that? I have to actually look up what it's called. But basically, yeah. Well, you, let's, let's ask the Googles. Ask the Googles. EMDR? I don't know. EMDR. EMDR so, therapy? Yep. It pops right up. It is. Do-do-do-do-do. All I, these sponsors. I don't care about sponsored. I know what it is. I know all the the pieces and parts to it, but I don't know the actual name of it. Let's see what it says here. Eye movement
0: desensitization. Desensitization. Yeah. Desensitization and reprocessing therapy. Yeah. Okay. So eye movement desensitizing and reprocessing.
1: Even though I don't know the name, I know how it works because we've been over this. So this works along the same lines of REM sleep rapid eye movement sleep where your your eyes move back and forth and back and forth and reprocess what's going on in your day. They create, you know, instead of seeing stuff and having your eyes move through the day, it recreates it in your mind and your mind moves your eyes to recreate the scene that you're doing and reprocess what you're doing. EMDR is the same type of process that helps you Look back at what you've got or what, you, what happened and through slightly emotionally disconnected way, reprocess whatever you've got. Now, in the big T trauma, you can reprocess that event. In my case, it was things like um, being in a group of people. I clam up in a group of people. One-on-one like this, I can talk all day. Get another person in here, I'll probably clam up. I probably won't talk. And that comes from the events of I have family members who will walk away from me when I'm in the middle of a conversation. Or if there's another person that joins our conversation, they'll basically ignore you. Yeah. You know. EMDR will s- sit there and look at that and say, wait a minute. This is an event. This is how you're programmed. This is the over my In my experience, it's been my entire life. So you've got years and years and years of this programming, I should say, mental programming that you've got. And it's trying to correct that so that I could sit in a group of people and not feel like I am or my thoughts, ideas, words, conversation, whatever is not valued by the group of people because it's just it's it's bad programming it's yeah it's a it's a sensitive sensitization that i built up over years and years and years of something happening like that so i'm gonna be starting that here shortly but that's after getting rid of all the garbage that's been piled on and you know getting well, to hopefully, a point. hopefully where
0: that helps you can start to again like reprogram that's what i'm like, trying how to do. how you see the world and we're starting to realize, that, oh, those things were hurtful, and this is why it yeah. was hurtful, and this is why it's not okay for me to bottle those things up and just let them happen. When, when assholes do that to me, my family, I need to call them out on it. Yes. And they're like, hey, shithead, like I'm still talking. Am I boring? Like, what's going on? You got, you got a pee? Like, uh, what's up?
1: And see, this and is like, where I need, the, yeah. I need more cheesecake. Need more cheesecake. This is where this this is where I get an odd thing because I can't call them out on that. I will get a blank face. That's okay. And Look,
0: <laughs> because you calling them out on their bullshit will hopefully lead them to realize what they're doing is, is wrong and hurtful. But again, you can't change them.
1: No, I can't. But, even- but,
0: but you don't have to accept it either. That's why that's like, that's I mean. In my mind, like you calling them out is like you not accepting their shit. Like, hey, you're not going to treat me like this. Don't just like walk away from me. Like there's something else you gotta do. Like, hey, pardon me, excuse me, I'm sorry, I've got to use the restroom. Or, yeah. hey, uh, yeah. Jilly, J- Jim, Jack over there, yeah. whoever is talking, and I want to go see what they're saying. Like, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Like, okay, well, obviously they don't care about me, so yeah. why would I bother
1: talking to them? It's one but, of those things. In a normal way, you you can see right here the difference. You have the proper mental programming. Yes. To say, wait a but minute. But again, I've also
0: worked very hard on that over <laughs> – I mean like from my, from my early 20s, yeah. I've, I've been really working on those kind of things. So it's – like I feel like I'm, I'm very far behind, but I'm trying to get there.
1: You've got the mental programming. My wife has the mental programming because she gets very upset about those things. I just say, okay, it happened because of the way it is because I know there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. And this comes into the other effect of me talking about it or me confronting it about Confronting them about it will not help me feel any better.
0: Well, it's not again. It's not about you feeling better. It's just you not standing for it. If that makes sense, right?
1: Well, not standing for it, but okay. If you tell a brick wall, don't let me run into you. What is it going to do? I well, not give a shit. There's no
0: thoughts or feelings or anything there. But hopefully, again, you're talking to
1: <laughs> you're talking like, to a, another human being. You're talking to another human being. Who is not capable of having those emotional connections, which is where it com- becomes very odd and very hard to understand some of those kind of things because it literally is like talking to a brick wall.
0: Okay. And, and I get that, but I, I'm just looking at it like, <laughs> like you got to say your piece and whatever they do is on them. Like it's, yeah. it's not, it's not up to not up to you what they do, but if you can at least call them out on their bullshit. So they'll either stop talking to you in general, which might be the best thing for you, like, or just you know maybe sit there until you're done talking, <laughs> and then leave
1: awkwardly. This this is one of those things that I have to correct in myself because I don't have those kind of thoughts and feelings when that happens. And
0: hopefully that EMDR yes uh, therapy will help with those kind of things because it, it's interesting. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently where uh, that they, they were talking about doing like ayahuasca for yes. the first time, and it and it seems like. A lot of people who are struggling in their lives with issues that they've built up or whatnot have gone through those kind of like um, mm-hmm. plant medicine treatments, um, like out on the west coast, and it's it's it sounds like very similar almost mm-hmm. where it's like you're you're taking these plant medicines, you know, and and they're leading you basically you're tripping balls is what yeah. it sounds like, but it's it's leading you in a, in a way where it's like a third party like a overview of what's going on. So you're not actually in the situation. You're almost watching it unfold like a fly on the wall. And like from, you know, from, you know, obviously like up and up and away. And it's, it's it sounds interesting because it's like from these podcasts I've listened to, it's very interesting to to hear these people have these epiphanies Yeah, of, of like, I mean, there's this one specifically, it was on the uh, Endless Endeavor podcast and Tyler was talking about doing ayahuasca for the first time. And like he, he went in with these goals. I, I guess you're supposed to have these goals going into these ceremonies yeah. and saying, Hey, I want I want you to show me who I am mm-hmm. talking to this, this mother Aya, like the the plant medicine that's gonna talk to you. Um and then like it was like two other things yeah. or whatever that he wanted to like accomplish in this in this trip and the shaman was like, Yeah, you're not gonna get all that. Like <laughs> you might might Get with like the first one, maybe we'll yeah. see if we even get that far. Who knows? But it was interesting because like he had this trip, and I think the, the ceremony lasts like eight or ten hours. I think it's a long time. Yeah. And and he was like tr- again tripping balls this whole time, and he was explaining how he didn't think it was working at first, and this and that, and then afterwards, like he was like recapping the next day with all the people that he took the trip with. There's like yeah. a bunch of people there. And they were like, you don't remember getting up and going dancing and stuff? Oh, you were laying there the whole time. Like oh, you didn't move. Yeah. And he's like, what? It's like, I thought I was awake the whole time. And he's like, oh, no, no. You were, like, you were way off in the world. Yeah. But it was funny because his mind wouldn't let him go past the, like, mm-hmm. show me who I've become. Yeah. Like, show me who I am. And basically, what had happened is that he had become so cold and calloused yep. in his life that he wouldn't show emotion to anyone mm-hmm. that, like... That the the ceremony essentially told him that it's like, you've become an impenetrable, you know, prick. Yeah. Like, you need to learn how to be loving and open to others, you know, and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. But it was funny because, again, he's like, oh, I want to do this and this and this. And the shaman's like, nope, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> nope, you're going to get stuck in that first one.
1: This is a little different in that you can accomplish all those things, but it's going to take – Six months, yes, a year. That,
0: that's, that's the great thing again. Like yeah. of that kind of therapy, is it's it's not going to be this one huge epiphany no, that you're going to have. It's all the things that it's going to lead to. The more that you yeah, do it,
1: this is this is a very very long term thing. It's not a one shot, you know, medicinal boom. This is. You know, weeks upon weeks upon weeks and, you know, years even, some of this stuff. Well, of course. Depending I mean, on what you have. Shit, but... You know. Well, yes. <laughs> but it it's a longer term thing. You know, with mine, there's this list that you start out with similar to the goals type thing, of, like what you said. There's a list of 30, 40 items. And you go down and check which ones you are. And then you detail out what is – what's that. and The example I use is I have a problem in crowds, you know, or in a group of people feeling that my opinion is valued in that group of people or that and not feeling that everybody just wants to, you know, kind of backing out of that conversation because
0: thinking that everyone's just there to ignore you and no one wants to value what you have to say.
1: Yeah. One-on-one conversation. I can. I don't have that problem. Get a third person in there. Why like, do they things start talk- to break down a little why bit? do they want to talk to me? yeah, there's another person to talk to um that's gonna take you know a while to to reprogram and and look at that and that's not really a a, a Big T traumatic event where there's massive emotion. Yeah, it's like, oh, we can really focus in yeah. on
0: this one thing and start to dissect it and pack yeah. through it. It's like, no, there's a bunch of things that have just layered on top of each other. And we've yes. got to start to scrape those away layer by layer and get down to the foundations yeah. of where they were laid. And now we can start to determine why it is that they got put there.
1: Where the... Medicinal one where you said one eight-hour thing, that's great. One event, something like that. You could sit there and process that entire event, that big T traumatic event. Yeah. For me, that probably wouldn't work because I've got a whole bunch of lingering reprogramming things that I need to work on that aren't one event, but it's multiple little tiny things over years and years and years that said, this is the way you are. And I've got to rechain reprogram this is the way I am to the point where... You know, I may be at that point where I can say, "Hey, what happened with this conversation?" Because what you were just saying is something I would never do. I'd never call somebody out on. Why did you just walk away? Yeah, I'd never do that. I would just walk away myself and continue on and and forget the situation ever happened. But that's the way I work.
0: Well, that that's not the way you work. That's the way that you've learned how to deal with. The, the trauma that's been put upon you.
1: Yes. That's the way my brain has developed yeah. to deal with that constant small T trauma. Yeah.
0: But dare I say that's not exactly healthy for, for you <laughs>
1: either. So, And it's, again, it's one of those things. It's easy to look at it and say, well, wait a minute. There's a quick path here you can take out and fix that. Well, yeah, I'm kind of trapped in my own little prison here. That's not, I don't really see a way out. You know, the same as I was a handful of years ago, trapped in that little prison. I know that I can push my way through that now, whereas before I was like, oh, there's no way out. Yeah. You know, let's do something dramatic here, you know, because literally I don't see another way of dealing with this, you know. um, Now I know, hey, there's EMDR we can reprogram this over time. And I'm in a better spot anyways. Yes, so, and that's,
0: that's the important thing because if you weren't in a better spot, I don't think therapy <laughs> like that would be actually beneficial at that no. point. I think you'd have to get like to a healthier spot yes. like you are now where you can at least start to admit these things to yourself. Yes,
1: you, you need to be able to control yourself too. Yes. You know, with, with these kinds of situations, if something happens, you have to self-regulate down. Whereas like the medicinal stuff that you're talking about, there's people who guide and that medicine fi- will eventually leave you.
0: And not to mention, like, it can be overwhelming for yes. a lot of people. Some people cannot be ready for the no. things that, you know, Mother Aya is going to show them. Yes. You know, but some of that might be, well, maybe they just don't see it, yes. this trip. Maybe they don't have a trip. And, oh mm-hmm. well, why didn't I, why didn't I get to do this? What's going on? And the Shaman might be able to bring yeah. it down later. Like, well, you weren't quite ready for that. Exactly. And let's start here.
1: This is slightly different because you have to self-regulate that yeah. versus the medicine leaves you. You have to if you hit something that's very traumatic or something like that, or you know, I've talked to my therapist about it, and it's like this could change me pretty radically if I start opening these kind of things up, things- which is
0: a good thing. Yes and no. You know, it's a good thing.
1: Well, it's it's a good thing, but what happens? To everyone around me who has been used to the way I am you know how many am I going to destroy the relationship with my parents so that my kids don't have a relationship with my parents anymore but
0: I don't think it's about destroying the relationship it's about making it healthier and putting better boundaries on it Mm -hmm. the same way that you've already done yeah limiting the time that they have to fuck your kids up (laughs) I'm sorry to say it that way, but that, I really that do is, mean that. But That is completely b- true. B- but, but there's a good balance to where it's like mm-hmm. you get to go see grandma and grandpa, yeah. and this is great. And you're going to spend some time with them. This is awesome. Even though they don't really talk to you too much, yeah. they don't really have to for yeah. that. that. That's fine. Yeah. Little pleasantries and you get there. Hi, how are you? What's going on? Hey, we're going to go on a date night. We'll see you guys in a couple of hours. That's what we use it you for. Know, it. Which is perfect, but, it's like, but I think that those are the healthy boundaries of that someone who's doing what you're doing. When you're changing, you're realizing, okay. What's best for me? What's best for my family? Because that's what's most important. Yeah. You know, and ma- maybe it is limiting time with your parents. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think you're already kind of doing that stuff anyway. I'm doing that it's, stuff. It's, it's not just... like you're going to have to go sit down with your yeah. dad and be like, hey, we're going to sit down and talk about this. Or I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> it doesn't need to be that no. way. You but know? the
1: fear is still there no matter how many times you tell yourself that that's the way it's going to be. What do you mean? The fear is there that this is something I have dealt with my entire life. This is something that's been my way of life. And to change that, to change that to something that's different, it's unknown
0: to me. But the way that you were living your life led you into a deep depression, led you into a place where you thought the only way out was suicide. Like a horrible marriage with your wife, fighting all the time, yeah. drinking like crazy, you know, stuck into work, couldn't get out of it. No health, no healthy balance with your work and, and home life and those kind of things. Like, like those, th- that was your life. So it's like changing some things can only mean better things, can it not? It's right. I mean, it might, it might lead to some darker times oh, yeah. as you're having to unpack all those small T trauma moments but I think that with perspective, and not to mention the support from your wife, which yeah. sounds like you have an abundance, which is amazing, yeah. It's like, I think that it's going to lead you into a better area in your life where you can be a better person. But that's and,
1: rational thinking. Now, take the rationality away and have irrational thoughts about this stuff because I don't know. It, through this entire process, you know, I said I was kind of emotionally, you know, still stunted. Stunted. Yeah. When you don't have that, it, you do have irrational emotional thoughts, or you know, irrational thoughts. And and I, I've dealt with this a lot, where I will tell my wife something like that, she's like, "That makes no sense whatsoever. What you're trying to do? This is a rational thought. You you're going to get better. Well, yeah, I'm scared to get better." It's the way I've always been yeah. this is how it functions, you know now, is it a true thought or a a true rational thought or something even remotely healthy no, but that doesn't mean you can't have it you know um mental illness you you go through something like this and you you get a an idea of. The people that have mental real mental problems it's like that stuff makes no sense but it makes sense to them yeah because
0: but i would think especially now with the work that you've done you would start to see those as like just self-sabotaging thoughts Mm -hmm. that are keeping you from doing the work that you need to be doing
1: it still doesn't mean i don't feel it
0: no of course and I, i think that that's that's the thing is like Again, it's not like you're going to start taking medication. You're going to go to therapy. Or you're oh, yeah. going to even have these like big aha epiphany moments where things start to like, oh, this makes sense. I mean, even still after that, it's like you've still got to put in the work. It's yeah. not it's not like it's all rainbows and fucking no, unicorns. No, it's not. It's it's, it's a ton like, of work. Yeah, it, and it's and it's always going to be that way. And it's and it's like the only way to to do that is to just keep moving forward.
1: Yeah. And you have to have a strong enough will and build enough willpower to be able to do that and to overcome. Because that's the thing is right now sitting here, that's the feeling you that I have about this. I know it's not right. I know it's not a healthy path. I know that I need to go through this therapy to correct that. But it's still a feeling. Yeah. Which puts a whole new perspective on feelings in general. Because... Is that a real feeling? Is it not? <laughs> it's it's a really bizarre kind of concept when you have a feeling that's not right or doesn't make sense to anybody and contradicts with reality or rational thought but you still feel it. Um it's programmed. You know, it's a programmed thought in mm-hmm. my head. And it really screws with your head when you start to think about stuff like that where i have emotions right now that don't make any sense whatsoever
0: but well, hopefully you can get to the point where you can do what you're doing now and realize oh, yeah. okay this is an old way of thinking i've got to stop thinking this way and look at it this mm-hmm. other way because and and, like, like you need to acknowledge it's there you can't just ignore it okay, like I'm thinking this way, but I know this is an old way of thinking. I need to huh. reframe this into a healthier way of looking thinking at
1: things. It, it, that's a will, the willpower that you have to develop. Yeah. You have to be able to say, okay, I feel this right now. I know it's not right. I still feel it, but we're going to have to change this now. We're going to have to reprogram this so that I feel right when, you know, a little daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little daunting. I can see why people do the med- the ayahuasca or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff because, yeah, it's a it'll something like that can really, you know, a big event like that can can be that turning point. Yes, you know,
0: instead yeah. of a bunch of little ones, they're gonna have one massive one. Well,
1: they're gonna have one massive yeah. one. I'm going to have a whole bunch of little ones, you know, every week. Do the therapy. Do a calm down, you know, bring myself down from whatever is there and then work on it again and try to reprogram that feeling, which is kind of scary to say because your feelings are supposed to be yours. But I'm trying to reprogram a feeling so that I am healthier, you know, um, which just doesn't sound right when you say it. Yeah. Because feelings are supposed to be... It, This gets hard to understand, you know, when you think about something that nobody else is, you know, or no one else feels that way, or it's definitely not the right way to feel, but you feel it anyways, you know, is it real? Is it a feeling that's real? Is it something that's accurate that, you know, it really starts to screw with your head. And this is, this is me going over therapy on this because we've gone over kind of this kind of stuff and said, Everybody can tell you your feeling is wrong. But on the same hand, everybody says your feelings are your feelings and you should acknowledge them and move on. So what do you do? Is it wrong? Or is it your feeling? You know, What is it?
0: Hmm. <laughs> these are tough questions that I think most people don't have good answers for. I, you know?
1: There's a lot of people that don't even have to bother with these kind of things. I I don't know because
0: I think I have to imagine a lot of people have like fucked up thoughts and feelings, mm-hmm. but they can brush them off. They can brush them. They off. don't become like a major thing in their life, like they have been for you. Yeah, you know, because they haven't like bottled everything up and pushed everything no. down and dealt with the neglect and mm-hmm. and all those kind of things like you've had to deal with. You know, so I think that a lot of people, yeah, they might have some unhealthy negative thoughts like mm-hmm. that, but then they can again just reframe and move on, and it's, it's a non-issue.
1: There, there are things. You know, normal thoughts, if you have those kind of things, again, go for a workout, go for, go talk to somebody, yeah. you know, those talking, can be
0: beneficial for a lot of people
1: <laughs> talking to somebody can reframe that in you, you know, sitting here talking to you. You've told me that that feeling is not right. Well, I still feel it. You know, it's still there. It's not going away. No matter how many times anybody tells me about it, no matter how many times I talk about it, it's not going away. That's where a problem is. It's not a normal. Emotion. Normal reaction. Normal yeah. something like that. This is something. Different. This is something that is. I hate to use. I I use this all the time. Or I use it. And it's not correct. But broken. In me. Something that's broken in me. Well. It's not really broken. And I've been told. You're not broken. This is how you feel. This is how it's been programmed. This is fine but it is it's a broken a broken emotion basically you know so if your emotions aren't broken yeah you can reframe that have a conversation clear your head yeah i think a lot of people will be able to again
0: like you said reset and move on from that and not dwell on it yeah whereas it's something obviously it keeps coming up for you which is causing you to dwell on it
1: this is every day yeah. This is everyday. This is not this doesn't go to it doesn't go away. I can I've talked about this kind of subject hundreds of times in those 6 years. Hundreds of times. Doesn't change a thing. So, when I say it's broken, you can tell why I say it's broken because it's not working right. Something's not working right. That's why the decision was to go into something like EMDR to try to get those things Worked out, you know. Yes. Reprogram a little bit, and and kind of things that I cannot reset needs a deeper, you know, deeper look into it. A a deeper, another method that's a little bit more. I hate to say intensive, but
0: no, I I would say aggressive is probably a little bit more aggressive
1: because that's that's, well. That's
0: why some people need medication.
1: Yes. You know,
0: because like it's, it's not meant to be something like, oh, well, you're just on drugs now and you're going to be on these for the rest of your life. Like it's supposed to be like something that's going to help kind of mellow things. Like you said, turn down the volume enough yes. that now you can start to work on things. So hopefully in the future, you'll be able to wean yourself off of it we're and then to, be able to uh, deal without it.
1: We're trying to figure out if I need to be on it for the rest of my life or if – and this is where, you know, where I come into play is because I've had so much time with this. That has my chemistry been screwed up because of it, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's so set and that's, we don't, we don't really know if I need to be on it for the rest of my life or if it's okay. Now that I've got things situated, because most people are, you get to that point, wean off of it, good to go. Well, again,
0: it's not like they're good to go and they're all like everything's no, fine, everything's fixed. It's like you've still gotta do all the other things. Yes, you've still gotta be able to st- talk to things. You're gonna reprogram your thoughts. Hopefully, you know, start working out, like eating better, like yes. you still gotta do all the work that got you healthy yeah. to keep you healthy because it's not like it's, it's just oh, just fixed, no, we're one and done, here yeah. we go.
1: I don't mean that it's just miracle cure, yes. but yes, you get off that medication and you continue to improve and continue to do all the things you've learned and those kind of things. We don't know because so the medication I'm on, if I miss one dose, my wife can tell, and this is not this is a medication that took four weeks to take an effect, okay, took four weeks of taking it to to show to. To basically get anywhere.
0: got kind of to turn the volume down enough. Yeah.
1: Well, it, just to, to get in your system. Yeah. One pill. If I miss one day, my wife can notice it in me, in my attitude, in the way I function. Now, she's very attuned to emotions and everything. She knows me. So, she can see all those subtle signs. You wouldn't be able to tell, but she can tell when I miss one dose. And that's kind of crazy to think. So, that leads me to believe that I will not be able to wean off of this stuff. Or it's going to be a very long time before well, I can.
0: It might be a long time, and that's fine. But you might, you might. I think you might surprise yourself yeah. with some of these th- these more aggressive therapies. Yeah. Of like, okay, I can start to see these things for what they are. I can I can reprocess these things? I can reprogram myself, yeah. but that fucking takes time. It's, like it's going to take a long yeah
1: it's going to take a long time. I was telling you earlier, it's, I
0: mean, it's taking this
1: six years, It's taking you your whole life
0: to get fucked up. You're not going to fix it in six weeks.
1: I I mean, six, six years so far, and I'm not looking at any stopping anytime soon. And that is therapy, self-help dude. You know, I mean, I've read countless books. I've been, we've done countless things on, you know, we did retreats. We've done You name it. We've done it. That's a lot of work. And, 6 years and we're not even close you know to fixing a lot of the yeah. the the, da- the damage that's happened over what that was 20 30 years maybe something like that and again you you've got the things of it's still still going on today you know people wouldn't believe me when i they, I have my wife now to just, or to tell you these stories, but if you went to one of my family events, you wouldn't believe it. You know, most people would say that could not happen that way. My wife will tell you it happens every day, every family event, you know? So it still happens. It's still an ongoing thing. Whereas, you know, a lot of, a lot of other people's stuff ends, stops. Yeah. This is your one event. So. That's where the small-t trauma comes in because it's still going on to this day. I'm 38 or 37. Yeah. I don't remember how old I am anymore. It's irrelevant at this point. We're old men. 37. So, and it's still going on to this day, you know. So, it's going to take a long time. Yes, it will. Maybe never get fixed.
0: Well, I don't know about never, but... It's gonna it's gonna take a long time.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, then major life events, you know, that yeah, yeah. doesn't. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> we could talk, we could talk about that some other time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, we, the other stressors in your life, we, Jesus. We,
1: we, we can we can set up another podcast to talk about that one and. Uh,
0: I'm I'm very curious to see how this EMDR therapy works out for you over the next few months. It will. I'm very curious to to see how it differs. From the other work that you've been doing with your therapist, and yeah. and getting away, and the medication, and those kind of things, so um, I'm very curious about that. We definitely need to, oh, yeah. to revisit this again and see how things are going. You know, as I I, lo- I love the idea of people having these introspective. Like therapy ideas, whether it be with plant medicines, hallucinogens, yeah. <laughs> or possibly this EMDR, if it's going to become like more of a standardized therapy, which I never heard of it before. Yeah, well, but when you put it in the Google's, it pops right up. Cleveland Clinic, this and yada yada yada, and it's like holy shit! Like it is becoming so this, a very it, so obviously they've been studying this. It's not yeah. like it's something that's fucking brand no, new. Obviously, it's not been around for decades and decades. You know, but no. it's this is this is interesting stuff. So it's this is becoming especially with yeah. all of the the TBIs and. That all those kind of injuries that, like our our military members and stuff, yes. have come back from uh, from the war and whatnot. Like, I guess there's some crazy studies going on right now with psilocybin, yep, about treating and helping TBIs and that kind of stuff. Where most of the time they've just said, "Well, your brain's fucked up, your brain's fucked up. There's nothing yep. we can do about it." So now they're starting to experiment more with these kind of therapies to help fix these mm-hmm. kind of things. And I, I'm really excited to see where things go over the next, you know, ten fifteen years.
1: It's one of those things. This is a very science based method of of approach and again it's based on the REM there are the rapid eye movement sleep It's based on that it's very well sourced and it is it is going to be there for a long time it's a very proven way of doing it
0: i think some people would say the same thing about ayahuasca yeah which has been around for generations and generations Mm -hmm. and done you know all these different civilizations over the years even though some people will poo poo it you know because they don't like the idea of plant medicines and whatnot as they go home and You know, have their freaking volumes and you know have all their booze and do all that kind of stuff, and it's like, okay, well, it's uh, probably a lot healthier for your body than all that kind of shit.
1: Again, that's I was trying to to do that. Like for me, it would not help. It would not be a good fit for me because it's not one event. Well, but you don't
0: know that. That's 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 the thing. Is like it might unpack a lot of things for you and help you to to reframe things and allow you to almost have those kind of emotions and therapies like later on because i know that that was something that tyler had talked about on the uh endless endeavor podcast where he's like i didn't have any big epiphanies during the moment yeah because i was too drugged out i didn't realize it but the next morning yeah when we started talking about things that's when the first thing started to hit me and he's like and i've been having these Mm -hmm. kind of thoughts and stuff about all these experience that I had yeah. over these last, you know, few days or weeks or whatever it was since he had had that since he recorded the mm-hmm. podcast. So it's like, it's not, it wasn't just like a one and done. Like, well, I guess I didn't get it. Like, no, yeah. like it was still showing him things, you know, like days, hours, weeks yeah. after whatever it was. I was like, that's interesting. So
1: I'm also too cheap to have to scale uh, out that. <laughs> I understand, but but maybe
0: it'll become yes. more research yeah. and, and be more available, yeah. be more available where we could literally go to like a kind of a Cleveland Clinic kind of setting, oh, yeah. and do it safely and healthy, and know that you're Absolutely. getting the, the right it, stuff. You're not poisoning yourself and whatnot. I,
1: and, I don't think there's anything that's you know yeah. bad. I'm not going to say any of the the drugs or anything like that is bad or anything like that. I don't know.
0: meth seems pretty bad.
1: <laughs> well some of the some of the really bad stuff is you know what that carfentanil or whatever it is, yeah, but it's one of those things that came from things that were good, I mean
0: it mostly came from like uh, opiates, right like, yes. like from what I understand, like it basically it's like a a street version of. Like some sort of opiate. I forget what it is. Methadone maybe or something. I don't fucking remember. But it's like people were chasing that high. Yes. And then they couldn't get pills anymore. So now they're going to get the illegal drugs. And it's like. But I will (sighs) say.
1: And this is for the the next podcast. All the surgeries we've had. uh, We get. Or all the family surgeries and things like that. What we have. Because we've read all the, the procedures. It's fentanyl that's used for surgeries. Okay. And that They we've we've even talked to her we've we've talked to the for my daughter the anesthesiologist it's well is this good and he will tell they will tell you this is the absolute safest way to do this and this is the safest way what comes of that is a terrible thing but where it started was this is actually the safest thing you could do.
0: Well, I think that'd be most inventions that humans have ever had. Yes, you, you do it to better your life and to make things, you know, you know, better for everyone. And people take it too far yes. and it becomes toxic. Yeah, it becomes a, a real issue. Yeah. So, so I understand that. It, it's give and take, right? Like, like anything take. else. Yes, it is. Nonetheless, all right. Well, let's let's wrap this bitch up. I think that's a good spot to wrap yep. things up. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to leave everybody
1: with? Uh, f- f- I don't know at this point. I <laughs> I would say work on yourself, but, you know, it, it's... What, what are the words
0: you would have for somebody who maybe is in that desperate moment where they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel? They don't see another way out, and they're, they're contemplating ending their own lives. Like, is there kind of any kind of thoughts you would have... For them to maybe help to reframe their, their thinking at the moment.
1: That's a hard one because I know when I was in that situation, there was very, I was not listening to anyone else. And it's very simple to have a little nugget of, Hey, go do this and, you know, go, go get some help or. Go rely on somebody. But at that point, I was not relying on anybody. I was not getting any help. I was not listening to any of this stuff. If somebody would have said that to me.
0: It would have kind of fell on deaf ears? I wouldn't have heard it. Yeah.
1: Um. Unfortunately, you need someone there to push you. Push you over that edge and get you, push you in the direction you need to go into. So I guess that would be the thing is find somebody else, you know. Uh, Find somebody that'll help you, you know, because you can't, you're not going to push yourself over that edge. I was not ready to, I I was not ready to change. I was not ready to, to, to do anything different than being trapped in my own little prison, you know? So probably not the most eloquent way of saying it. No, but but I like it. I
0: mean, like in in my mind, you know, it's like life is precious and it's, it's worth fighting for. And I decided a long time ago that nothing in this world was worth me taking my own life. Mm-hmm. Nothing was that bad that we couldn't get things figured out. Again, I'm still a firm believer that if you've been diagnosed with terminal illness or mm-hmm. whatever, and if you want to decide to check out on your own terms instead of just waiting for the disease to take you, I think that should be totally fine. But I just don't believe that, you know, so especially all these, like, these kids you see like committing suicide, it's like they they don't even know yet that... Life is going to be so much better for them later once they kind of sort through all these things. I mean, yeah, it seems like a horrible thing you're going through at the moment. And I understand that because they don't have enough perspective to see like the, the good times that are really ahead. But it's like there's, there's always there's always good times ahead if you make them. You know, they're, they're not just going to happen. You got to go out there and fucking fight for them and work for yeah. it. But they're, they're there if you want to work for it. And I, I just don't think there's anything in this world worth... You know, taking your own life for if, you know, somebody broke up with you or or you, you got your feelings hurt because of this or you were yeah. neglected as a child or you were beaten as a child or fuck if you were even like, you know, raped or yeah. um, abused or anything like that. Like, like, times can still be better and you can learn to love yourself and forgive other people, which I think is an important step to get to of, you know, being uh, learning how to like accept not only yourself, but the way others have kind of treated you in the past because you can't change it. No,
1: But you know that.
0: Of course. I mean, that's what I mean though. It's like, but these young kids. They
1: like, don't know that. Yeah, when, when little, little
0: Jimmy breaks up with you down the street, you think this is the end of your world and all my friends are all making fun of me on social media and they're calling me all these names and this and that. Ah, oh, this is horrible. And they choose to end their lives. And it's like, there's such better things out there. Oh, yeah. you know, these, things, these things will pass. Like that's- it's going to suck for a while. And I'm not going to say that it's not. Like it's going to hurt and that's fine. But you don't appreciate the highs until you've experienced the lows,
1: you know? But you also need someone there to help you through that. Hopefully. And when there's nothing when there's nobody there for you. Yeah. That's the problem. And hopefully
0: people do have those people in their lives. You find, know?
1: find somebody. That's your biggest that's gonna be your biggest helper there is find somebody to help you. Because it's very difficult to find your own way. Yeah.
0: Especially when you're that deep in your own depression. Oh, yes. You're you're not exactly thinking properly at that point.
1: No, you're not thinking at all properly. True story.
0: All right. Well, my good sir, thank you for coming over and sharing. I appreciate it. I think we're definitely going to have some good follow-up conversations absolutely uh, with this i'm definitely interested to see how this new therapy goes for you yep. and to see how that kind of helps you unpack things that have happened in your in your past and unfortunately are still happening still happen. to see how we can help deal with that maybe that can provide some help for others possibly so that'd hopefully be, that'd be great Yep. all right well thank you sir yep. and we will see you guys next time All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode. I really appreciate Ryan coming on the show and being so open and honest. And our true hope with talking about these tough topics is that it, it just helps one person. I mean, that that's all we can ask for. It's, I know like I really struggled about sharing my thoughts about my depression that I've, that I've had over the uh, last handful of years. And I know that Ryan uh, has been wanting to do this for a while and just wanted to wait until more of uh, when he was ready. And it was more of a good time. And I think this was a, a great thing for him to come on and share this. And hopefully uh, his thoughts and feelings uh, will resonate with someone and hopefully help them. Maybe reach out for help or just get a good close-knit group of friends to help keep accountable and, and start working on themselves and making their lives a lot better. And also, I do apologize for the sultry sounds of my voice in this episode as I was under the weather when we recorded this and I was all kinds of stuffed up, so I apologize for that. But if you guys are still listening this late in the episode, thank you so much for all of your support. It really does mean the world to me. And it's been fun to watch the show grow. And please help do that. Uh, You guys are the main driving force of this uh, because I don't really do any social media. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I don't promote it. I just put the show out there. And so all the success that we're having is just from you guys, the listeners. So I appreciate everything you're doing. Please keep doing what you're doing. Share it on social media. Talk about it with your friends. Let's, let's uh, Let's keep this show growing for sure. And then if you do have any questions of Ryan of, about anything that he's talked about in this episode or just any questions about the show in general, please feel free to reach out to us and we will get back to you if we absolutely can uh, in, in the very near future. You can go to uncensoredhumanity.com and fill out the contact us form or you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Those will land in my inbox and we will make sure that we cover those on an update. episode. Well, that is all we have time for this week. So we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity.